Let's do the damn thing. Oh, you know what time it is. It's time to take it to the burn land. It's about to go down. Hope you're ready. Yeah, yeah, let's go. Yeah. Come and roll with me to the burn land. Friends got to giving you the word, man. Any other BS is absurd, man. Sports talk and they give it to you firsthand. They can talk turps, they can talk O's. Yeah, they both lit. That's how it goes. Baltimore squad, Ravens and Poe. Better tune in. Here gonna show. Birdland, Birdland, Birdland. BS. Birdland, Birdland, Birdland. BS. It's all about that BS, baby. What's going on, world? Got skinny all of a sudden. I just, you know, I've been on this, I've been on this twelve-day cleanse. You know, have you heard about this? It's uh, uh, Rogers Matcha or some crap. I, I started following what Rogers did. Twelve-day cleanse. You come out looking like me. I don't know what to tell you. One hundred fifty pounds. Days. I like it. Oh man, as you can see. We've got Drew over in the hot seat tonight uh, because we've got a lot to talk about. We're going to get into the Ravens, but the big news break, you know, this has been building and breaking over the past week. MLB, you and I are really going to dive into this today uh, and really kind of give the viewers maybe a little bit of an understanding if they aren't clear on what some of the things were, but why a deal didn't get done. And we're going to really dive into that and some of the com comments that Rob Manfred had today. Uh, very interesting. Also very telling his facial expressions. If you didn't watch it. Very, very telling. Uh, but we've got a lot to go over. So the NFL Combine kicks off this week. We break down what we're looking forward to seeing. And Lamar tells that snapping turtle Yannick to stay in his lane. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, you already said it. We, we're, we'll dive into the, to the uh, crappy lockout news, but... Uh, it's not stopping the Orioles from working out. If uh, you know the minor leaguers still get to play and and participate in spring, their own spring training, uh, as well as a rumor mill swarm around a big name from down south. Yeah, and in this week's rundown, we're talking about a sinking ship that loses its captain, football in Germany, college basketball history, and a crazy butter buzzer beater, but a butter beater, <laughs> crazy buzzer beater. Uh, but we also have a, a special storyline in the two-minute warning that will 100% go into the after hours. So stay tuned to that, for that. But before we do, why don't you give our, uh, our sponsor a shout out? Remember the team over at MD Crash? We've been telling you about for the last two and a half years. Well, they've expanded. More lawyers. That's right. Handling you in a much broader spectrum of cases now. Still, still handling all of your auto accidents and injuries at work, of course. But now the team at Bowers, Hassan, and Herndon can help you with family law issues from divorce to murder. Attempted murder, maybe, Colleen, that came to last case. If you you can call now or text 667-220-6500 anytime for any of your needs. So save this number now. I'm going to say it again. 667-220-6500. Call anytime. Get the teams out uh, at Bauer, Hassan, and Herndon on the case for you. Still a little trickier. Yeah. You'll get through it's it. It's a little, little trickier. It was like second time. But. Once every couple months. So yeah, expect too high from <laughs> yeah, right. So we'll, we'll address the elephant in the room that's Fred sitting over there. Not literally the elephant in the room, but the oh, elephant man, in the room. Man, with the with the cleanse. We're just doing the whole musical chairs, <laughs> yeah. switching up roles here. We got a big baseball show. This is kind of Drew's, uh, I guess, 
you know, Forte. Forte, yeah. So we'll let him run with it a little bit. This all week. right, all right. How, what's the over under, Drew, on uh, Fred staying quiet over there for the show? <laughs> I didn't say I was going to say. <laughs> probably, uh, well, no, probably for that part, it'll be a group thing. I mean, yeah. that's something. Yeah, I mean, I know. Like, just, obviously, yeah, figure. obviously, Fred. Does, it's not like Fred hates baseball, but no. uh, nah, I got. It. I think he'll be all right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, let's dive into here. let's dive into some flock talk before we kind of really get to the the Ravens side of things. So, or, I'm sorry, the Orioles side of things. Uh, the Ravens they rounded out their coaching staff this past week with a few hires. Um, yeah. First one, the obvious one that we all know the name, uh, and that is they hire former Raven Zach Orr as their inside linebacker Official coach. Official now. Official. And that's pretty cool because I, I, I think I'd even been hearing, not like obviously you just hear rumors uh, even before Rob Ryan was let go and even before, like kind of like right after Wink was gone, you were, mm-hmm. were kind of here. It was a name you kind of heard. Maybe I was more fan-driven than anything real, but at least he had experience. Being yeah. with the Jacksonville Jaguars in the same position, yeah, and the guy it helps that the guy played the, played the position as well, and right? Played the position that, yeah. that, play, that plays a big role, um, you know. So for him coming back, he's it's an it's an organization that he knows. He's familiar with with us. We're familiar with him, and it's a culture thing, right? You're trying to you're trying to really propel these guys into this Raven culture and this Ravens mentality. Why not bring it back a, a player that was here and could? This is the thing that I do like with going youthful on this coaching staff is. When you're going youthful on your team, to have youthful coaches, there's a relatability yeah, there. Exactly, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you that, can't, that's, that's you can't put a price on it. <laughs> no, you can't. Uh, and, you know, they also secure the outside linebacker coaching spot with Rob Leonard. Now, most of you are going, "Who the hell is Rob Leonard?" Well, this guy has been around for ten seasons. He spent most of the past three seasons with the Miami Dolphins as their outside linebacker coach, most recently this past year, and the assistant D line coach before that, and then the linebacker coach of the year before that. So this guy has worked his way through the ranks you're getting him in, in a position that he's going to be able to help some of these youthful guys first six, six seasons of his career were up with the giants so uh giants dolphins um i'd say he made an upgrade yeah yeah <laughs> from the from yeah from the new york days most definitely yeah yeah that's only that and he looked like he was there when it was kind of some peak good you know giants defenses were, were at least not like that lower tier of defenses. So yeah, and the, the one of the, the interesting uh, hires this week. Uh, the, some people are just kind of curious because Bobby Ingram was around for so long uh, with the Ravens' tight end coach. Uh, you had him him go off and, and find other ventures. Uh, and at this point, you now have George Godsey come in. Uh, this guy. Not a ton, ton of experience when it comes to uh, working directly with the tight ends. He's worked with several different teams. Uh, He's been an assistant coach for Miami, uh, Detroit, Houston, New England, (laughs) and he was a co-offensive coordinator and then sole offensive coordinator uh, for the Dolphins and then Texans because he was thrust into the role. Uh, He had to step in because (laughs) because of vacancies and then making changes elsewhere. Um, Obviously, not you you probably don't know a whole whole lot about him. I know I don't, but anything here that, that you were surprised that they weren't willing to do something to try to keep a guy like Bobby Ingram, given the history of the tight end position for the Ravens. I'll say, did, where did, did Ingram go anywhere else? Was uh, I'm, I'm putting a spot to maybe I don't really Ingram. Yeah, he's in Wisconsin now. So I mean, was that more like was that more or less his decision to go to college, or was that? Yeah. So his son is a DB oh, at sense. Wisconsin. Yeah. So he went there. I think he's going to be the offensive coordinator, if I'm not mistaken. So, so okay. he, he took an upgrade himself. You know what I mean? So then at that, you can't really, 
it sounds like it's a mutual parting and mess of luck to him. There was yeah, also I mean, some hype about Caleb Williams potentially going to Wisconsin, which could have intrigued him too. Maybe a little extra incentive yeah, to go up. Yeah, there was. <laughs> See what you can do with that kid. Uh, yeah. Uh, then the other two two hires um, that we kind of just are going to touch on is defensive quality control coach Ryan Osborne. Uh, now, this is the guy that was rumored as being the guy that they would bring on because he comes from that Michigan system and worked with Mike McDonald up there. Uh, he was the guy, the the he will serve he served as the defensive analyst analyst under McDonald uh, for that that 2021 unit. And really, you got to look at it. They produced the nation's eighth ranked scoring defense. 17.4 points per game out of your defense. That's awesome. They also finished 20th in yards per game, allowing 330, and 11th in red zone touchdown efficiency at 45, right? So this is a, this defensive unit, you are literally taking a crapshoot. It's a flip of the coin of whether you could score against that defensive unit that he did. Yeah. Hopefully, you're hoping that he can bring some of those same schemes, some of that same mentality over here. Right. I was going to say, one of the things that I heard about this guy is he has connections to the outside linebacker unit. He was part of the pass rush scheme. Uh, and obviously, the pass rush was very successful with that Michigan team this year. He's got two guys in the top 10, top 15, and yeah. picks projected right You've now. You've got a guy so. who could be number one for, it, <laughs> for Exactly. You just it, don't it's, know. It's still very possible. It's very true. Very yeah. true. Uh, and then the other guy that they brought in, assistant O-line coach Mike Devlin. Uh, this guy's been around for a while. It was 20th season as a coach in the NFL. So he's the opposite of Zach yeah, Gore. He's the opposite. Uh, but, you know, he's spent six seasons uh, as O-line coach with Houston, uh, nine seasons before that as an assistant with the Jets, and the offensive quality control coach for the Cardinals back in 2000. But, again, you're bringing in a guy who's the assistant O-line coach who is a former O-lineman himself. He played yeah. for seven years between Buffalo and the Cardinals, which is why the Cardinals gave him his shot at the coaching, bringing a guy on that they knew or were comfortable and familiar with, bring him in as coach, and then he's worked his way through. Uh, you know, Again, he's still an assistant O-line coach, but that when you kind of take a look and you say, okay, this guy has the ability to, to look at many offensive lines. There's not a lot of splash offensive lines in that list, right? You're talking Houston, the Jets, <laughs> and the Cardinals. Uh, maybe the Cardinals the past few years. 2000, uh, when was, uh, what's his face down there? What was Palmer down? Was that was Palmer there in 2000? No. 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 Early 2000. Palmer might have still been high school. Okay. Yeah, not that early. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, the, the fact that you're bringing him in, it's for him, it's the experience. The other guys, it's, it's a lot of, you know, the youthfulness and the relatability. Um, so, again, you still yeah, have the relatability with the former yeah, alignment. One way or the other, it's, it's experience. Yeah. You know, you they had to finish too. out this coaching staff. It happens. This, this gets them to the end. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it happens. So I keep I keep hitting him because I hear your voice, and I'm like, oh, Fred. <laughs> it throws me off. I like my screen uh, time. Uh, but, no, uh, the other big news that, that happened, um, and I'm really interested to get your take on this because it, Twitter and social media split right down the middle as far as I was concerned from what I was seeing. Ravens re-signed 30-year-old safety Tony Jefferson, fan favorite. A lot of guys love him. They love his mentality, what he brings to the locker room. Um, if we remember a little bit back, right, we're hearing it's a one-year deal, by the way, no dollar figures yet uh, that we've heard. But he played. Two, he's played two games in the NFL, uh, or he played two games in the NFL since he ended with us in 2019. So he played those two games. I believe it was with the 49ers that he was with. Um, and yeah, he, yeah. In that, he was really not effective. They wound up cutting him. The Ravens wound up bringing him back and put him immediately on the 53-man roster. Yeah. He appeared in four games last year. 
playing 89 defensive snaps, 17 tackles, one sack, and a pass breakup, and contributed on special teams, right? So you have the fact that this guy in four games did what some other guys in 15 games could barely do. Yeah. Wrap guys up and tackle. Yeah, that that was the main thing. And I think this uh the thing I think of as a pro to keeping a guy like him in, in particular, Tony Jefferson around is look, he's been in this mm-hmm. and it's in me now it depends you know, we'll see what goes on uh with free agency in the draft. This is like what I said with ya not with Yannick, with Calais. <laughs> I'm fine with having like you know with when the money makes sense. I'm fine with having like a Tony Jefferson, a Calais Campbell in camp, you know, in house, but that can't be your only piece. He can't right. be you know like four games, eight nine snaps. So just divide it. That's you know what I mean. Like if yeah. you're giving me 15, 20 snaps a game, that's cool. I'll kind of take that for someone in his position. But you never know. I mean, he could find his form still. Yeah, he's well, still you know he's at that age where you I mean it, it's not he's not over the hill yet in my mind. So I'm not going to immediately say he he can be what he was, <laughs> but it, it, it could you could see what happens. There's yeah. some people that are running around on Twitter, too, right, that he's a guy that historically has been known to, you know, kind of he's a little he's a little active on social media at times, yeah. be a little recruiter-ish, yeah, right? Yeah. And, and people tagging him on stuff, and he, I believe uh, it was actually in Graven, uh, he, that he commented on Engraven's video yeah. that he did about Tyron Matthew coming to town with just two bur- purple devil emojis. That's all it was. That's all he. That's all he put out there. Uh, but he's already making those things. Is is in theory, if this is a play to help as a recruiting technique to also bring in depth, maybe you get you get him to say, "Hey, look, you really want to come play here." I know you're looking for X amount or, mm. you know, I'm sure I don't know, but I'm sure players talk a little bit. Right. But if you're looking for X amount, I don't know if they can get you there or not. You'll have to talk with them. But I really think you should you should consider talks with the team uh, and really recruit. I think there's a recruiting ability here. He's gonna They're going to have to do something in the offseason. And it's either going to happen in the draft, which normally we late in, late in the yeah. draft we wind up getting a DB yeah. somewhere in the draft, uh, and then you also have the ability to maybe pull pull this off in free agency. Few different guys out there that have been floated around. Tyron Matthew being the the biggest name. So what are what's your overall take? Did it surprise you that they did a deal? Has it surprised that you haven't heard the the numbers behind the deal yet? And just your overall thoughts on the the signing and how this is going to impact the secondary going into next year. Yeah, I mean, as far as the money, not knowing what the deal is, I don't think I'm necessarily that. You're not butthurt over it. No, because it's, is it even like, it's, okay, you signed a guy, but it's not technically official to the league calendar year starts anyway. Right. So you're, us as fans, we're not going to know what the dollar amount is nine times out of ten. It usually gets out, though. I mean, it finds its way out. The agent sneaks it out or somebody sneaks it out somehow. I don't think it's going to be much. It ain't going to be. It ain't going to be. Like I said, it's probably, it's it's veteran, veteran minimum and it doesn't hurt to see and, and give that piece, Fred. <laughs> now, it, my take on this is... Was he just raising his hand? I was. Apparently. I wanted to let you know I had some things to say here. So I think this makes a lot of sense for both the Ravens and Tony Jefferson. Because when you look at this, Tony Jefferson didn't have a ton of options to begin with going into last year. You know, it, it took a team that was desperate and in a, in a situation that needed help like the Ravens to pick him up after he was released by the 49ers. Right. So I think from a depth perspective, this is your new Anthony Rele- uh, Anthony Levine. This is your Anthony Levine replacement from the past couple years. Right. Is he going to have the same impact on special teams that Anthony had? No. But from a depth piece at safety, he brings 
veteran leadership. Obviously, he can play in a pinch. He knows the system very well. I don't think this is going to be a substantial contract in any kind of ways, like anything that's really going to impact the, the cap number by any means. Yeah, uh, I think this made a lot of sense for both parties, for Tony and for the Ravens. Uh, and the fact that, to your point of him getting behind the support of actively recruiting a guy like a Tyron Matthew, who is obviously going to be signed to come in here and be the starter, he knows his role. He knows that that is going to be the target for the Ravens is to either find somebody through free agency that they can plug in to be a starter or somebody even through the draft that they can project as a starter. So again, I think this makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of where I, I was hoping that you guys were kind of thinking, because that's where my thought process is, is that he's, he's being brought in that value guy to, to really just kind of be a stopgap if you need him to be, but he's really designed in there to, to help you with this, this offense, to or not the offense, help you with this defense, get yourself some depth and then be that coach and that recruiter, right? We, I've talked about it, and I feel like it nauseum sometimes about the the invaluable, the intangible piece that comes with some of these players, and he's one of those guys. We've heard that he's a locker room guy. Yeah. We, you know, the fact that he can go in, maybe, maybe they they're bringing him on and saying, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna partner him with a Deshaun or a Tavon, and we're gonna look, and if he's if he, if one of those guys is not taken to what a guy like Tony Jefferson is telling him telling them. Maybe that's their you know signal to cut bait at that point on those guys. If they're not willing to be coached by a guy who's done it, been around for a while, knows the, the system, knows the organization, knows how to carry himself. If you're not willing to listen to a guy like that and you're not being productive, why would we keep you? Right. If I'm at least seeing progress and you, you're listening to what Tony's doing, that's what I really want to see in minicamp and, and in, uh, when we get to training camp. I want to see him sitting next to those guys. Brandon Stevens. Brandon, yeah. oh, Brandon Stevens, another good one. Brandon perfect is the perfect example. We saw yeah, that. Like I said, we saw that you. a lot with Anthony Levine sitting with guys mm-hmm. on the sideline, Geno Stone, those guys. Tony, like I said, I think seamlessly steps into that role. Yeah, I really hope that we, we wind up seeing that down the road. Uh, another piece of news that I wanted to get into and get your takes because this one, I read this and I went, no, please don't. Wouldn't shock me. The it Bengals should. are apparently showing serious interest. And Bradley Bozeman, we all know that they need help on the offensive line. Yep. How bad would this hurt to see him go to a division rival, much less the Bengals, who just made it to the Super Bowl and are in a position that if they can secure up the offensive line a little bit more than they have, they could make another run and be, for the next few years, a perennial playoff contender. Yeah, it would really suck. Because it just it get goes to show that they're just taking a knife. A, you know what I mean? Because that comes before the draft, so we're all you know we're always focused on like draft that kid with all your picks. Like we, yeah. <laughs> we we said it. So automatically, right then and there, you then you just expect them that like all right, well if that if that's one piece, they ain't stopping at one piece to, mm-hmm. to, to fix it. And then they got the weapons, so you don't need to like go get the and they've weapons got them locked up for a few years. <laughs> so you know what I mean? There you go. Yeah. So yeah. ah, it would suck. Wouldn't surprise me, Fred. Yeah, I don't want to see Bradley Bozeman anywhere near the AFC North, uh, specifically the Cincinnati Bengals. We've been talking about it at ends that the offensive line is the one piece that's missing for this team for them to be a dominant piece in the AFC, not just the AFC North. They're going to be a thorn in our side for at least the next decade with the team that they have right now and the way they're set up and the contracts and all that stuff. And again, they're super young. If they get a guy, and they've got a ton, a ton of cap space, so they'll be able to outbid the biggest bidder 
if they really want a guy like Bradley Bozeman. The only thing we can hope for as fans is that the Bengals continue to be an idiot fucking organization as far as not addressing offensive line. They continue that this year. But if there's any resemblance of an intelligent GM in place there in Cincinnati. They're talking to an offensive lineman. Or just, it's, right. but either, right. It, it kind of makes you think maybe they're going that way. And Yuri brings up a good point on YouTube. He says, I wonder what the comp pick we would get would be there. Probably probably a fourth. I mean, you could go third, but I doubt it. Because offensive linemen are hard to grade. More than yeah. likely a fourth. Yeah, so that's kind of where I was thinking that, too. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's. I'm glad we're all on the same page. It, James, you're, you usually are the guy that's going the other way. You have – is this going to hurt? You 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 hate when we covet our players. Would this – do you think this would hurt as far as, you know, emotionally to the team to say we're, we're losing this guy that did well for us? Oh, yeah, but the, the Bengals are going to hurt the Ravens a lot for the next couple of years yeah. if we don't get our shit together. All right, all right. Like, they have a ton of money. Yep, <laughs> they do. They can screw up their offensive line and their defensive, like, corners and safeties and <laughs> – it could be ugly, dude. Yep. <laughs> yeah, hopefully it's not that bad. Uh, but yeah, I, you guys share the sentiment then. We're, it sounds like we're all in agreement. The only, the only thing I can hang my hat on is there's been a lot of times in the past where Mike Brown has stepped in, overstepped his bounds, and that's what I'm saying, and fucked it up. Yep. So I, I, I get it on paper. You're watching the product that they put out there and made it all the way to the Super Bowl. I mean, in down to the dire minutes of the Super Bowl. I can't. I, I just. I. I've hung. I've hung my hat on that for like months now because I'm like, look, it's still a chance that like. I, I mean, I'm not. I'm not necessarily sold on Zach Taylor, but I mean, granted, if you keep having the weapons trot out there on offense That's, to make up for it, I'm not necessarily sold on Taylor. I mean, they are obviously they signed him to a deal, but that'd be my thing as a Ravens fan right now. Like James said, you were agreeing. I agree with that. But it's still a team that, like, they've been a thorn in our side before. What did they get them? They finally won a playoff they're, game. In, I'm going to tell you years. now, <laughs> they're, they're about to turn into a fucking sticker bush, not just a thorn, because they really don't have that many holes. And yeah. all of the most impactful positions they're good at, right? The skill positions on offense, yeah. the quarterback position, they're good at. They've got a whole draft and a shit ton of money to spend in free agency that if literally they <laughs> use all of that to address all – the trenches, offensive line and defensive line on both sides of the ball. This team is going to be dangerous, whether you like it or not. It's not me being a hater or anything. This is just no. being a realist. That's they what it be, is. You have they to be got a kicker. You have and to be got a kicker. Right? You have to yes, be real do. in the fact. You know, to your point, anybody and I. There's people that they're they're drinking the purple Kool Aid, right? And oh, we would. I think I just saw somebody in in the chat saying we would destroy them with a full team. Look, <laughs> it 100 percent would be a more competitive game had we had a full team this year. I can't say with what the overall product that we saw out of them and what they were able to do. I can't say that that would be the case. I can't say that yeah, this would be an easy check mark, right? It, this isn't the the Bengals of old. They seem to be. To your point, they could still come in and fuck this up, but they seem to be going down that path of making the right choices, right? You made the right choices in two consecutive drafts, mm -hmm. right? You now are saying, okay, we're going to 
you're supposedly saying we're going to shore up the offensive line. You could, you could, in all theory, go out and buy an offensive line and still have the money left over. <laughs> I know somebody chimed in, chimed in too, saying these guys are going to get paydays. These guys are two and three years out of their pay out of paydays. And in some cases, four if they decide to pick up a fifth year yeah, option chase. on these guys. <laughs> so you know, you're you're looking at that and you have to say, wait a second, this this is a team that for the next, I'll say three to four years, it's going to be competitive. If they continue the trend that they're doing, if they fuck it up and they grab another QB in in the, the draft or something like that, nah. like I don't see them doing that, but I do, do see they them fucking things up. Coach. They have they, a really good head coach. They do, but the question is to to your to the the point that these guys were making. We've seen ownership fuck it up for them before. If he steps in, it if he's not going, okay, I'm letting you do this, then okay, then he's he has a he's going to be a problem. He has to fuck it up the last. Five, but you five don't know for years they, they've been selecting these guys and they're fucking. But you don't know boys. if he's been involved. If he's been involved and he's going, he's doing I, a great job. If he's going, I want that guy. Then okay, they're they're going but to the get it. But is, if he's if he's listening to them and they're saying no, here's what we want. Trust us. We're going to build this. We're going to build this. We're going to build this. If he's stepping back, he'd be dumb as shit to step in at this point oh, because he just had a team that was in the playoffs. And many people think that if they can do a few things, nothing that's going to break the bank for them. They I, don't need a quarterback. They don't need a running back. They don't need a, a wide main wide receiver. They don't. Need they any don't wide receivers. They too. don't. They really don't need all. They need maybe some secondary help, but not a lot. You have a lot of money that you can pay exactly. for an offensive but, line, but, still have the money, exactly and keep I'm the saying. ownership happy. That's exactly. exactly. What, what the thing saying. is, ownership. I don't think it's really step in because you got you got to remember, they they take high risk rewards. Like they took um, uh, Mixon, which yeah, had a little uh, the domestic uh, violence, situation. domestic violence, but went out there and took him. Haven't had any problems with him. You know, they, they had the ups and downs with their head coach, but they got the right head coach. I was uh, listening to him today on um, at the, the combine. He Talking to Jason Lockett for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're all ready to go. They're going to be, like like Fred said, they're going to be a fucking thorn bush, dude. It's going to no, be and, ugly. And I, I'm not disagreeing with what I'm saying with is, but the is we don't know. always takes the safe or or the, the – the, 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 not really what we need, but – He's there it's the best player available. Yeah. They, that's, that's, their, that's their trend. And I get that. What I'm saying when it comes to the, the Bengals themselves, the past few years, we don't know how much of that is ownership and how much is general managing. If it's general managing and he's truly stepping back. But I'll tell you what, if there was any inkling, if he was involved in saying, I want this guy, I want this guy, right. and they were doing I it, and he just doing. happened to be right, then the owner's going to sit there and say, I, see, I was right, I was right, I was right. And – You've been wrong so many times before. You don't get to say I was right. I was right, well, and, been and right owned for the last five, six years already. It, it, I would say three or four, I maybe. Mean, I wouldn't until say they five got or Burrow, six. Though they were losing bad. Yeah, they they really didn't have a whole lot. They've had spots and flashes in the pan, but nothing major. But you gotta remember, they get Burrow, and Burrow. I, I don't know, like, hey, he talked to the head coach or the ownership, say, hey, I want Jamar Chase. They got a couple of LSU players on defense, like. So I I guess they're going like hey I would like these guys on my team and and, and they're all 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 for you know taking them so yeah all right uh, next thing that we're gonna kind of get to is uh, the piece that you mentioned Yannick earlier right uh, well yeah, speaking of recruiting and yeah. lobbying <laughs> he is lobbying for Calais Campbell to come it's join a him chatty ass turp over there and, and chase a ring over in Oakland uh, I don't know how much Oakland or not Oakland to Vegas I keep. 
keep forgetting that. <laughs> Out in Vegas. Yeah, I can't wait I, to go to Oakland in a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Make sure you stay stay away from Compton, all right? Um, but, no, it's, it's one of those things. When you look at this, these guys do have a history together in Jacksonville, right? Campbell lobbied for Yannick to join the Ravens. Now you've got Yannick trying to get Campbell and, you know, return the favor, if you will. Do you see Calais joining him out in Vegas? I, I just don't see that, that. I don't know that for me that that's a fit for him. If it is, he's he's literally chasing a ring and he's taking minimum money because that defense has has some some shiny pieces to it. Uh, I mean, it wouldn't shock me, but I I I said it last week. Like, I have nothing against Calais here, and I said it earlier with Tony Jefferson. Yeah. I have no problem with him. I think it'd be a good thing to have him here if it's not taking up too much. If it works, if with the capital, but. If you're a main piece, sorry. If you think you're going to be a main piece in Las Vegas, go ahead. I, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or if you would think you're going to be a main piece in Cincinnati, just wherever, you know, wherever with money can take a guy like that, go ahead because I, I we have – your one person isn't going to fix it. Yeah, well, if Calais is gone, it's not it, it's not going to suck too much for me. Lamar, Lamar chiming think. in, Fred? too, on this. Fred? Oh, okay. Yeah, I, oh, I was going to say, I, I, I agree with you. I think – Las Vegas can have him at this point. We got to get younger. I love Calais, the person. I love him as a leader. I love him as a you know, locker room guy. But productivity-wise, outside of the run game, he wasn't much of a force uh, in the passing game. We got to get younger. We got to get faster. We got to get more athletic. Uh, and honestly, Las Vegas could use a, a a locker room guy, a good presence. I mean, all around, Calais just seems like a good person, like a good human being. And Lord knows they need some veteran guidance in Las Vegas to keep those kids in check. So yeah, more power I, I guess I guess the Ravens are definitely getting younger, kind of like this show. Yeah, right? <laughs> younger. <laughs> I saw your comment, Brett. Yeah. I had to. We're still we're <laughs> we're give you time. Oh man, uh, but no. So yeah, Lamar was lost. chimed in on this and and basically replied to any on Twitter saying, "Hell no, Unk said he fuck with the purple more." So he's trying to sit there and recruit Clay's to come back. Meanwhile, Yannick is sitting there trying to get him out yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, it, like I said, it, it, I, that's a if player. If it's a team-friendly deal, I can't I'm, say I'm it enough. Like it. I said, I, I, I'll, I'll beat the drum. Like, I have nothing against Calais. I'm cool with his his whole yeah. time here. I was happy he came here even with Absolutely. everything that's gone. I I think I'm, you know, proud of the deal they made. But if if you can get good somewhere else, buddy, go get it. Yeah, exactly. Go get your last contract, really. Uh, the last thing that we're going to hit on uh, for the Ravens today is it, it'll be a few minutes before we are actually able to talk about the draft itself, right? So what's happening this week? Well, we got the combine that started, technically started yesterday with uh, some of the quarterbacks and I think tight ends uh, reporting, doing some of the pre-exams and some of the medical exams and stuff. Yeah. Uh, interviews really started kicking off today. Which Lucas probably Stadium. this year is like, like the biggest thing with the combine, I think. You're, think some, you're, I think you're, we'll see, we'll see. I think you, you had the thing we were talking about. It changed right before last week's show where it was going to be a bubble and agents were like, maybe, you know, guys, just go there for your to talk to the players and maybe not. You've seen some some players like, look, we're we're going to show up and do our physical stuff, but we're not going to be doing the drills. You've already seen some of that a little bit. Yeah, I think you, it's going to be interesting to see how many guys participate in, in different things because there are, you have some of those guys who yeah. are doing that. You have some guys that aren't that have chosen not to participate at all. Uh, you know, But they're trying to make a big deal out of this. The, the NFL is, right? Thursday through Sunday is when the drills are. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I think we all in this room have said 100 million times, we really don't give a shit about the combine. I. I don't. Uh, 
Underwear Olympics. Underwear Olympics. <laughs> like I, I can't. Especially when one when one dog comes like, flying out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, I don't. I'm just, around in the wind. I think I get it. It's the NFL. Like they, the way they've structured their schedule in the off season is so you're have football all the time, even if it's not games and preseason games. Like I get that, but for me, it's just it's always even for a while now. But it's been background noise. Uh, like you can sit there and watch the clips on Twitter. Right. Like, yeah. What do you need to sit and watch anymore? Or, you know, maybe I'll, man, it's, God damn, well, it's fucking, it's one o'clock. I woke up in the middle of the night and I can't sleep. Oh, look, the combine. Right. Well, they're trying to exactly. promote. I mean, they gave away free tickets, yeah. right? And we'll see how many people actually show up. We'll, we'll see how many a get, bubble to give it away free We'll see tickets. how many free tickets get scalped. Let's yeah, put it that yeah. way. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, I know, you know, I, obviously I know most of us, as we've just said, really hate it. But if I held a gun to your head, right, and, you're, and I'm saying, out of the results of the combine, even if you are watching the entire combine, there's got to be something that always grabs your attention or you kind of look for, or is there even a particular player that you're, you're looking at this uh, for this draft and looking at in this combine? Who, who would it be and, and what, what are you looking most forward to out I mean, of the combine? Plain and simple, and I, I, don't, I think it's, it, it's even dumber to like hinge it on players because it's not the end-all, be-all, but the 40 times, like the one we really like, Holy shit, that guy just ran a 4-1 this year. Like, somehow that's going to happen soon enough, and we're going to all be amazed by him. You know what I mean? Like, though I put no stock on it, that's still, like, the thing I go, oh, that, that's cool to watch. I can sit and watch some clips of that guy. Okay. Or you go back, you and I think it's a little more, I don't remember ever seeing it when it happened, but I've seen it a lot lately with the Josh Allen where he's kind of running a little bit like, like he doesn't look like yeah. he's really trying to run. He just looks like he's kind of, and yet he's one of the, you know, he's, he's a mobile, along. he's a mobile quarterback. He put up a good 40 time, like seeing like kind of funny stuff like that. The guy's stuff falling out one time, like you, like stuff <laughs> like stuff. that. Like that's all that matters. But okay. even then, like I don't put stock. He watches, that stuff. he watches the combine to see dicks. Hey man, come out no, hey, <laughs> it adds up. <laughs> Wait, what sense. fell out? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> to be a little more specific. Penis. <laughs> all right, Fred, what about you? What are you, what are you looking at? I know obviously you hate the combine, but what are you looking at? No, no, actually. Actually, I don't hate the combine. I, I'm you one got of free those. Tickets this year. I'm one. Of, yeah, I'm one of those ridiculous fans that I actually enjoy watching, and I enjoy watching it because fucking weird. I, I really only know <laughs> have kids. a lot about like the top 30, 40 prospects. Right, this gives yeah. you an avenue to learn about guys that are going to be those reaches. You know, the guys that might jump from a projected sixth round to a third round or fourth round pick because. They had the better the, the better forty time or the better cone drill or whatever certain things that'll yeah. separate them. I've never been one to say that the the combine should be used as an end all be all in your decision making when drafting anybody. And if anybody does that, is it's it's ridiculous uh, because Orlando Brown obviously <laughs> shed <laughs> the mold with 40. that one. Right? I mean, he was a he should have been a first round pick. I mean, he's played to be a first round pick and he ended up being a third and fell into our laps. Right. Uh, but I I enjoy it. I'm sick like that, so <laughs> I, I have fun watching it. Fred again, says it's the Victoria's Secret for men. Ah. <laughs> that that is not why I like it. But uh, he did say underwear Olympics. Yeah. I mean, it is it. Yeah. How about you, James? What do you? I don't watch it. You don't. I don't, I don't care. You, I have no no passion for yeah. it. I, I, <laughs> yeah. Nothing. You don't like watching the highlights on on nah. social media or anything like that. Nah. Nothing. Nah. Nobody said it. Said the one thing that I like. Well, that's for you to say you like it. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm just surprised <laughs> that nobody freaking said it. And that's the the uh, the rich the rich Eisen forty time every year. Yeah, that's right. He didn't, didn't get the chance that. to do it last year. Right. I love I love watching but him do it. A couple guys are chiming in here too. You know, the other part of this too is when you've got guys from your favorite college that are going to be 
in this draft, you know, at this combine. Uh, Nick Cross, Chigakonkwo, right? Ryan and I obviously get to see those guys up close and personal. We have a higher grade than most people Ryan, probably Ryan have on him. Ryan understands he can't go on the field, right? Right, right. You gotta stay <laughs> off the field, Ryan. Uh, but I, I, it'll be fun to watch those guys compete against the best of the best, right? Nick Cross is somebody who I've been doing a lot of mock, mock drafts lately mm. and watching a lot of other people do mock drafts, and he's been going in the third and fourth round, which is higher than what originally people had projected for him. So this combine could even boost him up more to maybe a, a, a round two pick because uh, I, I really like Nick Cross, and it's something like that that it appeals to me. Yeah, I mean, he, the, he's got a good first step and everything that you, you can kind of count on with him. Uh, one of the things that I, that I look at when I'm – looking at this combine and really going into this draft, probably the the position that I'm most intrigued to see or the two guys that I'm most intrigued to see because one of them is participating, the other one's not. And that's Sauce Gardner and Stingley. These are the top two guys at their position going into this draft. We know that we're, we're going to need some DB help. And these are two guys that can immediately come in and make an impact day one. Now, Stingley is not participating because he's coming off the, I think it was an ankle injury, um, that he's giving more time to rest. So he's not participating. So now you got Sauce, who it's it's A and B, or what a lot yeah. of people are saying. Sauce is projected. Both these guys are projected between 8 and 16, which puts us there in 14 if he's available. Uh, it, you also have Stingley, who some people are projecting in more of a 12 to 16 range. So they think once one of them goes, the other one's going to go. My thing here is I'm curious, does Sauce Gardner participating in the combine, he's he's ahead of, on most people's board, he is ahead of Stingley right now. Yeah. Especially because of the injury. Does he potentially hurt himself, whether it be physically or, you know, theoretically on the board? Can He can do nothing as far as I'm concerned but hurt himself by participating in this. Yeah, Everybody right, knows yeah. what's happening, and the top guy that you're going against isn't even participating – I guess maybe you can get some participation points if you're doing things, doing some of like the lifts and stuff, stuff like that, and maybe the high jump. But I'm not, I'm not doing the forty. We've seen guys pull hammies in forty, in forties. Wasn't it? Uh, didn't DK mess his leg up in the forty the one year, the year that he did it? Somebody he might have tweaked something. Somebody, yeah. somebody tweaked their leg, their leg that year. He didn't stretch. So the overall piece to this is, I, I think I like Sauce. I think if he's there, I 100 percent would take him. If, best, if I'm going best player available, I'd take him if he's available. Well, Scott, just to throw it out there, since you're, like, intrigued by this, I'll be more glad if you get yourself a hotel and airfare, I will get you tickets to... to you're going to pay for those tickets. Yeah, I, I got you. Okay. I got you. Yeah, if this guy goes to the combine and doesn't go to Vegas, we have issues. <laughs> True. Uh, yeah. The see, combine is Saturday and Sunday. That's uh, all I'm okay, going to say. Okay, good point. Um, <laughs> John Ross, that's a good one, Yuri. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're probably right uh, on, like, you said it with Orlando Brown. Could it be like an Orlando Brown situation that sets him off? Uh, yeah, injuries could happen. Yeah, I guess all that could go bad. I think, but I think, barring, like, catastrophic stuff like that, I think he's the top corner off the board. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, well, that's, that's why I said that. I think that he... I agree with that. I'm just saying, I I wouldn't participate if I'm him. Yeah, no, because I get it. The, the guy that the guy that you're be, being com, compared to in this draft, and the guy that you know you're you're very close. You're you're probably both going to go within ten picks unless something crazy happens. 
you you shouldn't do something that's going to hurt your value if you're really yeah. concerned about that. Is Not to mention is, hurt yourself. Is Sauce his real name? Sauce? No. Uh, what is his first name? Okay. Crap. I just, I just wanted no. to the only way I know him. I, by sauce. I freaking knew it, but yeah. I've heard Sauce so much in like the last like few days. I like sure somebody, the mock drafts I see don't put his his first name anymore, so I don't. <laughs> It's Somebody in the chat will come up with this here in a second. Either Mark or Yuri. I know Yuri, Yuri knows a lot of these guys. He pays Amon. attention. Amon, Amon, there you go. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I was going to say, because if not, like, if, if, if the NFL will let you do nicknames on Jersey, that'd be cool to see sauce on the back of it. It's just the XFL. Yeah. He hate me. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so I, that was one that I, I was intrigued. I was also in a space uh, yesterday, last evening, um, and actually Yuri was in there. And one of the things that, that was kind of brought up was, uh, you know, from a defensive standpoint, defensive front standpoint, is guys like, would you take a Johnson versus a Walker, right? With those two guys, Johnson is good. He's going to be able to, to get the, you know, really nail down the pass rush. Walker, he, he can hit the pass rush, but he can also run stop. And this is one of the few guys in the draft at that position that has been able to drop back into coverage. Yeah. That's one of the things that I'm looking at. Any any other other than those guys, that was just my intrigue. Is there any guys that you are intrigued to see based on what you're just seeing on draft boards so far? Nothing in particular. I mean, a broad umbrella of it is like I've seen – no matter how you slice it, I've seen like, you know, the the top linemen, like the top six have kind of, you've had a couple, two or three at the top, they've kind of switched around and the other ones kind of thing. So for me, I've like I said, like uh, quarterback wise, I, I don't think they can go wrong with with what they're aiming for in this draft because you need an offensive line, you need D line help, edge rush cornerback so if it's one of those four positions or even like safety like that's fine like so you're fine with whoever they pick but my point is they're not going out there looking for a wide receiver or running back you with you know what i mean that's not going to be the the, what they're doing so just seeing the raiders like to (laughs) me is just seeing where the offensive linemen shake out because it is such a huge point of emphasis for us but like and like i just i you know hammered in again i guess (laughs) to be a, uh, a broken record this shouldn't be the end-all, be-all. It isn't the end-all, be-all. A guy can have an amazing pro day and jump up the boards in no time or do something stupid off the field and drop, and you go, oh, well, Which, maybe I can get that guy, and I'll trade back to the 19th pick. Somebody wanted to jump up for a Drake London or something, and hey, now I got my guy, even though it's later it's on. It's funny you bring up the pro day because that was one of the things we, we mentioned in the space last night was you know these guys that you know a guy like Stingley – could wind up doing a pro day, and if Sauce has a, a good day, he can either sit back and go, "I'll oh, well, take my he chances." I'll be he, second, heard, yeah. he 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 hurt himself. I'll I'll let I'll take my chances and go first, or he can have a pro day and completely show out and wind up helping himself. Yeah, the, uh, the pro day is getting a lot bigger now. These last couple of years. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think last year it was it it was inevitable, right? Yeah. The past two years it was really inevitable. Yeah. Fred, what is your what is your position or, or guys that you're looking at? You know, in the so priority one A and B for me is offensive line and edge rusher still like they've got so many holes on that offensive line and we all know how crucial it is to protect Lamar Jackson or to any quarterback but specifically Lamar Jackson for him to be successful yeah. right the difference from 2019 to 2021 was offensive line for Lamar Jackson right you get him that protection he takes his game to the next level. And, yeah, there are a couple of round two options. Adit actually hinted on a couple of them that are there at tackle. Uh, but you also got a hole at center that I'm not 100% sure that they're sold on Cologne Castillo being the guy to move forward, right? So a guy like Lindenbaum was, is out there, and he's projected in that middle of the first round. Do you go there? 
Um, edge rusher, like I said, a close one B for me, and that's because yeah, you took Adafe away, but outside of him, who do you have in the fold right now? Because when you think about it, Tyus Bowser's coming off of an injury, right? So he's got to work his way back from an injury. Mm-hmm. You got <clears throat> Dalen Hayes, another rookie who played what ten snaps last year. Yeah. He was dealing with an injury. You got Justin Houston, who is a free agent. You got uh, Pernell McPhee, who is going to be probably retiring. He's not going to be back here. So you have a serious hole at edge rusher. Uh, so to me, those are my top two priorities. Cornerback is this kind of goes back to my conversation last week where I was saying you have some options at cornerback where you have to make a decision on Tavon Young. You have to make a decision whether you're going to re-sign Anthony Averett, right? I don't see a situation where both of those guys are gone this year. I think they they invest in one of them, one of them probably being Tavon Young and restructuring the deal to lower that cap number that I think Anthony Averett's going to be gone. You get the you know, you get Marlon Humphrey back, you get Marcus Peters back. As much as adding a guy like Sauce is attractive, it's not the primary need in my opinion. I think it's offensive line and edge rusher. So if you're going to if I said give me two two names that you're kind of watching the combine that you see as realistic shots. Who are you most looking at? I mean, offensive line, it's going to be center, and it's going to be Lindenbaum. I think that's the priority number one for me, especially if you're not seeing a contract happen with Bozeman or a potential of bringing Jensen back, which sounds like he might be staying in Tampa Bay now that they had their guard retire unexpectedly. Young, Uh, too. Yeah, right. So... I don't think Jensen's going to be in a factor. Uh, and then at, at uh, outside linebacker or, you know, edge rusher, the kid out of Michigan. I know Ryan's going to hate that, right? <laughs> Was it Adebu or how you pronounce his last name? Adebu? Ajabo. Ajabo, yeah. That guy, He's from everything I've Wars. heard, looks great. Uh, I want to see what his numbers are at the combine. We just talked about how that doesn't matter. But I want to see what those numbers look like and see how it translates. All right. How about you, James? Well, as Fred and I are the old ones in the room, we used to have a slogan that we used to, like, die for when we would go down to Ocean City and get these Johnson shirts. And they say, it's not the size of your Johnson. It's how you use it. So that's how, that's how we decide things in this room. But, uh, no, I'm looking forward. Like, Fred, uh, we need an offensive line help. Like, we, if we don't pick an offensive line, I think we got issues going on in, in uh, at the castle. But um, – you know, I hear like they're going to trade trade down, maybe they could. get more picks and blah blah. If their guys are there, I get that. But then you never know with the Ravens if they say they pick the best available player at that at that time, then we got problems. But I'd like to get that um, edge rusher from uh, Oregon, but I don't think he's going to be there. Okay, I think, he, I think he's a top five pick. They're saying, but if he could slip down, maybe he does a shitty job at the combine or. You know, it has a little marijuana, like when he gets pulled over <laughs> or some kind of story could come out with him. Maybe we can grab him, but uh, the Ravens probably won't pick up someone like that because they, they like the, the sweet, innocent guy. So Mark says, Big Johnson, wow, man, blast from the past. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I, I tried to always, you know, like, Mom, can't, you're not getting that shirt. So I had to, I had to get my dad. What to about that brass there. ball salute <laughs> shirt right there? That's a little bit different. All right. Well, obviously, we got a lot to look forward to this week in the combine. We'll talk next week. Uh, we're really going to start yeah. diving into some of these. To, to Yuri's point here right now, and this is a great point, Yuri. He said, use. 
Those five fourth-round picks better be a bunch of insurance pick at edge, corner, and O-line. Do not use it on fullbacks. That <laughs> is, for me, going to be a, a no point Bronson that Oxnard? I'm going to be watching. <laughs> I do not want to see any head-scratching picks, especially like that early. That fifth-round pick last year on Ben Mason <laughs> made absolutely no sense to not just me, but to anybody out there. Uh, the only one that it made sense to were the Harbaugh's, anybody in the Harbaugh family. Yeah. Uh, outside of that, it made no sense. I don't want to have any of those, but you're right. Those insurance picks need to be adding depth, right? So fourth-round picks, you don't expect to make an immediate impact year one, right? If, you, if they're going to make an impact, it's from a depth standpoint. You want to see that first and second-round pick be effective immediately, right away, and impact, impact the team right away. Offensive line is where they need that most. Yeah, these old guys sitting here with little sippy cups and shit, drinking uh, sips teas. <laughs> Go ahead, James. Show, 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 big the, fans, show the fans what you've been drinking on over there on the couch. I'm, I'm pretty sure all the old school know about this. <laughs> I do remember this. We do, do too. Those. We do, too. It's delicious. You guys were sitting there talking about, we're the old heads with the big Johnson shirts, and you're both literally were like putting a straw in at the same time. Right? Like, we're saving uh, our beverages for uh, a couple weeks from now. Uh, there yeah. you go. This there is what our generation had. You guys now. had Capri Suns. <laughs> yeah, right. Now they have rats in. Them. I don't know. Um, but no, yeah, I think when we look at this over the next few weeks, you know, we obviously have a lot of time to fill between now uh, and the draft. So we're going to start next week. We're going to start looking at those areas. So we'll pick one to two positions each week and we will start to look at those positions and the top guys that we think we can get in the draft. And we'll have some more information because of the simple fact that we have the combine. <laughs> Fred's over there. Hit the damn button Don't forget already. the transition button. That's my spot. That's my job. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, we got the Liquor Stop a social media shout-out. Uh, this week's Liquor Stop Brew of the Week comes to us from Monument Brewing Company, Monument City Brewing Company, uh, right down in Baltimore City. Uh, this is their Coffee Among Friends. It's a vanilla latte milk stout, 5.2% ABV. Uh, you definitely get a... a, a Heavy coffee flavor. I don't taste, like, when I think of a vanilla latte, I think, uh, you know, even in a milk stout, I taste of something that's a little bit lighter. I I'm not the biggest fan of this, like honestly. This. this is one that I'm not a, a huge fan. How about you, Drew? Did you yeah, like it? Yeah, I like it. It's not too, like we were talking about earlier uh, before the show, like, it's not too filling. It doesn't feel like I'm eating, <laughs> drinking a meal. It's not like, as thick as you would think. Yeah, let's put it that yeah. Way. I think it's, it's in that nice borderline. This, it's not light and it's not heavy. This reminds me of I don't know if you remember when when Coca Cola tried to make like a coffee beverage. Oh, I do remember that. It sort of tastes sort of like that with the alcohol in it. All That's right. a good comparison. All right, fair enough. All it. right. Make sure you head up 1510 Conowingo Road in Bel Air. Tell them Birdland BS sent you. Get your 10% off. We gotta so, do the social media shout-out. I was hitting the button to go do that. Uh, hitting the button to do another button? I don't know what's happening right now. Yeah, All right. Hey, Ryan. Oh, you're not Ryan. <laughs> Fredo, what do we got? Who's been chiming? Oh, a ton of people have been chiming in in there. Uh, who do actually, we got? Actually, no. It's not been no. a lot. It's been very active, so we appreciate all the chats for sure. Yuri, Mark, Chuck and Stephanie, as always. Ryan, I guess he's out there. I don't know if he's in the bathroom <laughs> in his tub watching this or what's going on. Adit, Josh, and Charlie. I don't want to know what he's doing in the tub. <laughs> right. Adit, Josh, and Charlie. Man, appreciate you guys all chiming in. Uh, it's all been good chat. All, sure. I, all I envisioned when he said that was just Ryan sitting in a tub with candles with Birdland BS on his phone in a bubble bath. Would not surprise <laughs> me one bit. <laughs> now I can hit the button again. Yeah, you probably wouldn't be. Uh, oh, man. 
All right, guys. It is time for some bros, bows, and, and O's. Lockouts. And lockout. Yeah, and lockouts. Uh, we have a lot going on uh, over the past few hours. Really, the past few days is kind of where it, where it started. Um, and Depends we, on which we, side you ask. Well, well, no, it, it, the past few days were really ramped they up. They were Let's there for nine way. days, and the last 48 hours is when shit got started. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And, a, and a text message between you two. What? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, breaking MLB lockout news uh, before the show as Fred Manford went on and did his press conference uh, regarding the lockout. We had heard before that uh, John Heyman was on MLB and broke the news that the uh, MLBPA was going to turn down the offer that was presented. Uh, people were saying that this was the lasting quote final offer. Um, and we're going to get into what, what Manfred had to say about that. But obviously both sides were, were completely, you know, attired. They were up until I want to say four o'clock this Aww, morning, poor um, baby. 16 hour work day. Poor babe. Yeah, right. <laughs> they have, they, they you had nine days to get this shit figured out, and you decided to wait no, until the last two. Nine days, you had three months. <laughs> <Or> whatever. <laughs> you had three months to figure this shit out. Santa, you couldn't Santa, do it. Santa's come and gone. The Easter bunnies are about to come, and you still have a fucking lockout. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, no, as we find out that the, the MLBPA is, is saying, you know, hey, we're not going to take – we're not going to take this. John Heyman, by the way, I was talking to Fred about this before. I had this up, and I was I was on conference calls and everything, and I had this playing in the background, and I look up, and John Heyman just looks defeated. Yeah, he's been uh, – they you know, they have him on uh, the fan pretty much like once a week, and I, it seems like the last time they had him on, he's like – like, I think – and that was, that was like right after that, that – uh, they met for 15 minute day. Oh yeah, <laughs> and he, even then he sounded defeated. So that doesn't surprise me because he's he's an older guy. Not to knock on him, he is. He's an older guy, so you can get that kind of like stuck in your ways uh, mentality. How he thinks something should be. You can I only write that, about the same. But point. I, just like we can only talk about the same thing so many times, you can only write about. And, the same And that's thing my so point times. with that. Like a, with these older guys like him, like how much more can I try to like sugarcoat it in a way <laughs> yeah. like try to f change it a different way like i don't know where this they're at. fucking like, sucks <laughs> i don't know yeah i don't know where they're at when you really don't know where they're at you kind of have to make some stuff up which i think happened a lot here and there in this this scenario the last week or so Certainly, yeah i sure. mean the 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 fact that they these guys were down there for nine days that's what baffles a lot of fans right you were down there for nine days all of a sudden it sounded like there was momentum right Last week, we were like, oh, they met for five hours. They met for 16 and a half hours yesterday. Yeah. Right? So that it dwarfs that five hours. So it's like, okay, there ha if you're meeting for that long, you're making progress. You would think. You Well, it, <laughs> yeah. it sounded like, and if you, we're going to go over this because Fred and I were kind of, we actually were, were sitting here and we were watching it uh, when he did his, when Rob Manfred did his press conference. And we were t kind of taking, Fred was doing a good job of taking notes when he was doing it about all the things that. The MLB flexed and was offering, and we're going to talk about the comparison of what it was. But before we get into that, we do have to you know, say that Rob Manfred, basically, in the first thing he said is, we've got to cancel the first two weeks of the season. You know, the first two series of the season, not first two weeks, but first two series of the season. They are canceled. They are off the table. We are no longer playing 162 games, right? We don't have to. You don't have to. I get you that. You don't have to. You're choosing to have a lockout. Now you can okay. If you made up a better offer, when you offer, say you're choosing, 
They locked, this isn't a strike. They locked the players out way back in December 1st and waited 40 some odd days to have meetings in Jupiter about this. You could have, you could have, from everything I've heard, the MLB didn't, didn't even make offers and didn't. MLB made the first three offers in in between the time that, that they but they locked it out because they were they weren't getting responses. They didn't have to lock anything. The out. response the response was no. Well, I'm, I'm, saying, to... I'm not the only one that thinks that a lot. I can I, I can you, see you not thinking that, but that has been the like they could still there could have still been baseball operations happening, and the lot they decided to lock out. Even if they were making offers, it doesn't you know like you can't negotiate and still have. Free agency happening, Rule Five drafts happening, you've spring been training you've happening. You've been negotiating. In all reality, you've been negotiating this CBA for the past two years. Exactly, and that's pathetic on all fronts. Right, and I, that's that's where I was making sure you weren't just. It sounded like you were just blaming the ownership I was, here, and then I, I I'm like you just said with John Heyman, I feel defeated. Like, I just I did like I I because th- we we had in the group conversation it looked like maybe the, I don't think we would have an argument. But I would have been completely on the one side, and you guys would have been completely, at least you two, would have been completely on the other. I'm to this point where I'm, maybe I'm just going to go raining. I'm not really even go following ahead, the script. I love baseball. Oh. I have an Oriole fucking tattoo. It's, it's kind of dumb now. I've never got to finishing it. Three of us do. <laughs> but I, I love baseball. Like That's the sport I played. I understand in the grand scheme of things, someone being a casual guy like Ryan and the casual fan, the younger fan, not being attached to baseball in the way I am, or, and for whatever different reason. But just the fact that, like, like you said, this is now. So you had 2019 happen. 2020 might as well not have happened. 2021 happened, but it was like it was still you were trying to figure things out. You didn't have not a lot of stadiums had the fans. We got them later on. Or it was only mind half. you, they were still negotiating CBA back you know, in 2020 and 20, 2021 exactly. when they were talking about the seasons. So like. I guess I'm just defeated because maybe I thought and maybe I thought by the fall I had forgotten things. But then like up until even like a week or so ago, I forgot again. Like you couldn't even agree to come back from COVID like you could. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like and you guys were it was and it and it was like who it was has, a stalemate. It was who had the bigger dick. From both, you know what I mean? Like, no matter what. So you... Who had the bigger Johnson? It's is in sight. It's at the the light at the end of the tunnel, and you still couldn't fucking avoid it. Yeah, go ahead, Fred. So get to the fundamental basics, and this is, like Yuri's asking, someone explain this lockout to me like I'm five. All right. Why are they locked out? What is the CBA... And why are we even at this standstill right now? CBA stands for Collective Bargaining Agreement. Break it down like it's five. <laughs> Seriously. It, it, look, it's it's what you use to negotiate. It's a union, right? So when you have union workers and and the uh, the employers, right, who was MLB, the union workers have, have become a union and said, if we don't get the things that we want, we're not going to... to perform service or play or the whatever. The collective bargaining agreement is a contract, and the contract expires this year. Yes. Right? So the, the thing about this is there's a lot of different pieces to this, to a collective bargaining agreement. This isn't like a, you know, a one-page document. This might as well be you signing away for a house, right, where it's 50, 100 pages long. That's how that's how big these a things ton are. Of language. Tons of language, you know, made to protect both sides, right? That's what it's designed to do. Designed to do. So there's certain things that, that the players in the MLB really can't agree on or can't agree on. There's things in the in this like something simple as universal DH, 
right? Having the DH in both leagues versus the National League having the hitters, uh, having the pitchers let's, hit. Let's stop there for a second. Yeah, let's yeah. use real life stuff. So let, let's go through this, right? So during this uh, press conference that Rob Manfred had today, these are the things and the highlight points of the collective bargaining agreement that he pointed out, pointed out that some of these things they agreed on, and some of these things they didn't. At the end of the day, they weren't willing to sign the collective bargaining agreement because they didn't go- agree to all of this gonna, in whole. We're going to talk about some of these as we're going, as let's you're going go, through. Let's them. go. So the first one is raising the minimum player salary, right? So they raised the, the proposal was to raise that to 700000 which is 130000 more over where it was previously last year with the collective bargaining agreement. And this, the, the added benefit to this was it was going to increase $10,000 each season moving on for this next contract up to a total of 740000 Which the CBA was being projected to be a four-year CBA. So right. that would bring you the, the seven forty. So, so this is what the owners are presenting to the players as a, a, a basically as a – uh, what's the a, word? Well, a, compromise. a compromise. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things, too, is when you're looking at this, when you're talking about minimum player salary, right? The guys that are doing the negotiating here are guys that have gotten paid. It's guys like Max Scherzer, Andrew Miller, former Oriole, right? It's these guys that have been paid and they're trying to pave the way for the, the that first three-year type player, right? The, the guy that doesn't really get a whole lot in his first three years. They're trying to do more for them, which in turn is going to wind up helping them, yeah. but they're really trying to help out baseball. So at going up $130,000 per player, that's a pretty big number as, pretty far as, a, as far as a minimum amount there. And then to commit and say, hey, we're going to take it up another 40, that was there. There was negotiating back and forth. The players wanted, I think, 775 is where they were originally looking for. That part, it sounded like they were on a compromise on. So good thing here. They were both in agreement. Some of these younger players, let's go ahead and start paying them a little bit more money earlier because they're, they're, their contributions on some of these teams are a little devalued. So the next part of this is going to be increasing the annual bonus pool uh, for the best young player talent up to $30 million. This is the arbitration money, correct? Uh, no. So this is actually $30 million that would be allotted to guys if they uh, if they wound up becoming uh, the top leader in their category uh, or in, a, in like a hitting category or the top player rookie of the year type situation. That's an additional bonus, but it's spread out between these guys. So if you have a bunch of young players that get this, they get smaller bonuses, but more people get it. If it's two guys that, let's say, Adley and, and Juan Soto's brother both just go off the chain, have great years, and they're the only ones that wind up in their series, then the money winds up being split between them. Right. All right. And then Rob Manfred summed it up as by saying there's basically an overall 33% raise to almost two-thirds of the player with the presented proposal that they have right now. The next part of this is service uh, service time and competition. Uh, they're doing something with the draft lottery, correct? Yeah, so what they're looking at is a five-team uh, pick lottery. So what this is, or five, five first-pick lottery. So the first five picks would be by lottery system, kind of like the NBA does. Uh, now, I w- we will correct uh, Rob Manfred because he said this was one of the most aggressive in, the, in all of sports. Uh, NBA, we looked it up, it's 14. NBA is 14. The first 14 picks are by lottery. That's that's aggressive. Do you guys like five. the potential of a lottery? Not no. really, right? And not five. Like when they when I you know the the lowest number I had was like three. I, I think you're splitting hairs between three, four, or five. I get it, but it's, is the thought process behind a lottery to eliminate tanking? That would be. 
It's e- pr- probably yeah. It's th- so right now the way that the the way that the system is designed, teams that succeed are hurt. So you get some of these. There's some people that argue, and I don't think this is right. There's some people that argue. Well, why do the Yankees spend so much? Well, because they're always winning, so they don't they don't get the chance to actually pick. They have to trade to get those top tier draft picks. So having this creates a competitive balance more so in the fact that any team, regardless of what it is, could get the top five pick, right? But then after that, it becomes how you did in the regular season. Okay. So you could wind up getting that top pick, and then you're you know if you're you're the Yankees, you've or, I'm sorry, let's say you're the Braves. Braves could wind up getting top pick next year if this were to go through. And all of a sudden, now that's where the other side of the argument comes in. Well, wait a second. How is a team that just won a championship being allowed to be the team to get to first selection? Right? So there's there's arguments on both sides here, which is what makes it interesting. Uh, another layer to this that I really like, that I was a fan of, that he talked about uh, for service time and competition, is an incentive system to encourage clubs to promote young players to start on opening day. This gets rid of or helps get rid of that whole manipulation of service time. Yeah, so they, this would be, especially if they get like a rookie of the year type contract, they get a full year of service if they're a rookie of the year, no matter how long that they were in the in the uh, the league. So if they didn't meet the the quote, league minimum for a number of games, but you wind up being the rookie of the year, well, yeah, you should be considered for a full year of service time at that point, which then makes you eligible for arbitration earlier. And again, it's all about getting these younger guys more money earlier. That's what this is designed to do. But the incentive side of things is it's also encouraging the team to really get these young guys in because the longer that they sit, the more, the more they're likely to, to not be able to get the draft picks. The more likely they're not be able, they're going to have to wind up paying these guys more in the long run if they don't get them up earlier. So then, yeah, and that'd be like my rebuttal question to that would be: that's does that really still make a team force going like, yeah, I'm going to start Manny Machado's clock now. I'm going to start this guy's clock now because then the ball would still be in ownership's court. It's to not start that guy's clock anyway because they were afraid of him winning rookie of the year and now he gets to walk sooner and I'm, I can't afford to pay him anyway. Because like, wouldn't you still like it does, have knots that would still be tanking in a way? Because there's of that? more to it that, that he didn't get into, but there's more to it with some of that stuff when it comes to that that the incentive for the team. There is an act. There becomes an actual incentive for the team, right? And whether that's uh, them trying to, he didn't get into a whole lot, but whether that's them being, you know, if you have one of those guys, you wind up, you know, being in that being in an additional lottery, something like that. There wasn't a whole lot of details on that. He didn't get he didn't go into that deep, uh, but I am. I would be curious to, to see the answer to your question because I don't know the answer. I think it would be interesting. Do, do you still have them do do that? What what is the decentivization for them to do that? Yeah, it I just feels like like they they you know ownership might have had a proposals for stuff like this, but then the ball would still be in their court, getting that guy to the majors anyway. Yeah. Well, but then you have the other side of this, right? Because you have something like the free agency trying to make it more robust by eliminating. Draft pick compensation in free agency, this. right? It, it, so go explain why. Explain why. Well, you've had situations where I'll just say for the Orioles, you've had situations where, and whether they would have, you can you can be on one side of the coin or not. They might not have gone for a guy because they didn't want to give up a first round pick. You know what I mean? Like when mm-hmm. you had that based off of like, well, that guy goes, man, like a uh, Wei Yin Chen going to the Marlins one year, like. Do I, you know what I mean? Like, if that guy goes and gets signed by someone, hell, I get there. You know what I mean? It's a comp, comp pick, but I get a first round pick 
if I jump and go get this guy, well, then not, you know, any pick I'm coveting, I don't get to have that pick. Yeah, the, the, the compensatory picks I never thought necessarily made sense. If a contract's done, a contract's done. It, like, why yeah. do you get to benefit off of the contract being done? If anything, you're penalized because you couldn't get a contract done with that player. Right. But you're that getting but you're in the front office. Right. You're, you're actually able to say, all right, well, I'm not sold. I mean, we've seen situations that were like, why wasn't this guy sold in, in multiple different in multiple different sports, by the way? That's what I was going to say, because that's how I feel with it. We, were we said it with the Ravens, how many comp picks they had with the fourth round pick. Right. I mean, they were getting a comp pick because David Culley went to coach the, oh, yeah. for the right. Texans for half a year. We definitely play that fiddle very well. Like, that's cool that they do, <laughs> but like at some point, like, like it, comp picks sometimes, I mean, it can be a little different because there's so many picks with baseball, but... The other part of this, the competitive balance tax, significant increase offer more than in recent years, 10 million plus. So this is interesting how this winds up playing out. This is probably because, like what you heard was like the biggest. Th yeah, this hurdle. is this is one of the biggest hurdles. The, the competitive balance or some people also refer to it as the CBT. Others refer to it as a luxury tax. Basically, what this is, is it, it's trying to force the, the hand of having a luxury tax and saying you have to spend X amount of dollars. Now, if you're not spending it on players, it has to be spent elsewhere, right? In, in the international pool. So you get some teams that like the Ravens were one of the ones that were criticized. We didn't spend money Orioles, in Ravens. free or I'm sorry, the Orioles. <laughs> you were talking about Ravens. I was second, you know, we're against the cab yeah. for the most part. So the, the, the Orioles were in a situation that we had, we used all of our international money, but we're not anywhere close to the rest of the league and the league average when it comes to salary on this team, especially if you throw out Chris Davis, right? So there's teams that say, like, that's a prime example that you're you're clearly willing to spend money because when you get it and you have it, you're spending it. Like 27, you're 2018, where it didn't do them any good anyway. Exactly. You're just spending money that money. Band-Aids for a lot. Like so what's, what's being projected is if you look at this, it has gone up over the past five years during the last collective bargaining agreement. What they were saying, it's at 210 right now. What the MLB proposed was a $10 million increase, taking it to 220. It would stay 220 for the next for 2023 and 2024, but then would go up again by five million apiece in 2025 and 2026. Right. So this is some of the highest. This is how far off these guys were because the the players association was saying 250, 260, 270. They want this thing up there now. It's designed to create a competitive balance. The problem is you have small market teams that are sitting here and voting and saying, no, we, we, we can't do that. You can't do that to a small market team because what's going to happen is, is the Yankees, the Dodgers, and the the uh, Giants, they're gonna, those are the teams, the Red Sox, they're going to go out and they're going to spend even more money because they can just buy the championship. They can continue to buy, buy the championship. If you if you price the small market teams out of the ability to have some type of leverage, you wind up getting screwed. The A's are another team that's in that, right? We 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 all saw the you know somewhat true story with Moneyball, where he's going in saying, "Give me some more money." It's like I, we don't have what it, money it, do you yeah, want me to give? It's never you? changed with that team. Yeah, they they find a way of being competitive because they do their due diligence. They know their shit when they're scouting, but then the, like Marlins. Right. So <laughs> it, this this whole thing of this, this, this is definitely the sticking point. This it was is a sticking huge sticking point, point yeah. because they're so far apart on numbers. And you say we're sitting here going, are we seriously talking about, you know, 
tens of millions of dollars in billionaires' pockets, and that's how that's the the argument against the owners, right? Well, well what ten, about the players who are also arguing against it? The, the you ten know, million dollar more. part of this, I mean, it sounds like it's a lot of money, but when you're you're comparing it to the floor that was already at two hundred and twenty million, and you're going up ten million dollars. That's not even five percent, you know, and and the cost of inflation on a yearly average right now is over seven percent. So. I understand. And the John, John Heyman brought that up. Exactly. You, you pointed that out. He brought that up in the conference. And Manfred, he was like, you know, what? how are the players supposed to argue with that, especially when you're not really doing a whole lot right. and inflation? So uh, Manfred didn't really have a good answer on that one. Uh, the other thing that was here was the extended playoffs. Now, this was an intriguing one to me. Mm. The fact that they were a part on this one the way that they were. Because even you and I were like, did he really Wait, just Wait, who say was that? on what side? Right. right. I didn't know. So the expanded playoffs. MLB wants 14. They want 14 teams because if they sell the TV rights. Let's water it down even more. <laughs> if they sell the TV rights, it's $100 million, right? It's $100 million for the, t- for the TV rights to 14 teams. It drops, I want to say to 60 or 70 that somebody said. If it's And that's, that's money that winds up going back to the players, by the way, right? This is all we've been hearing. The players want more money. The players want more money. Here's a way that they're saying. Two more teams, more money. Well, the the MLBPA is saying, no, we want 12. So MLB, in this collective bargaining agreement that they were trying to agree upon, this is one of the things they hashed out last night. They finally said, fine, we can do 12 with two division leaders uh, earning buys in the first round. Okay, fine. 14 right? makes absolutely no sense. That's almost half the damn league. No, but I look at it from a business well, perspective. Well, me, so. I, I, I know, it. but 14? Golly. 14 really well. That's half, it is. It's half the league. Right. But I get I get the, the the TV money side of it, right? If they're, These are business people, right? If you're trying to look at it from a business perspective, two more teams gives you $100 million more in revenue, not to mention the revenue that those teams will make off those playoff games in their own stadiums. So... All that extra revenue wind up going their way. That's an interesting one. They did agree upon the universal DH, uh, and they did have a procedural agreement as well in there that allows a timely implementation of a pitch timer and the elimination of shifts to improve entertainment. Yes, value of the game. bring Chris Davis out of retirement. <laughs> Let's no. go. Stop saying that guy's name. Joking. So one of the things I, I did see <laughs> that's come out with all this. Everybody remember what Ted Williams batted? Three hundred something. We talking about 406. Oh, that one year. Yeah. <laughs> 406, the year that they brought out what they called the Ted Williams shift, which is the closest thing to the modern day shift. And he still hit 406 against it. He's the only one. That's why you're talking about a singular person. I get that. But we're talking about a guy because he's got the highest number, right? One of the best hitters I, of all time. But how many, how many guys, if they just would, instead of being in that situation of sticking with what you know, right? How many times were all of us yelling, Chris Davis, bunt the fucking ball. Bunt the ball. Stick the bat out there. How it's- I've always felt with the shift is I I, I, I do to a, to a degree, I do think you're a professional hitter. Figure it out. Figure it out. Yeah. I, I, I do. Yeah. I do agree with that. But when the shift becomes literally having like four outfielders all on one side, and then no matter what, unless that pitcher sucks – if all that pitcher does is pitch to the inside of left-handed hitter, well, it's it's you know how it is. It's a lot easier to hit it opposite. Yeah, the bunt, but it's a lot easier to hit it opposite field when it's the outside of the plate. That's you know, like that's how you drive these out uh, opposite field hits the better. So to me, it all I, I've never said get rid of the shift, 
there's got to be a way of limiting it because it it'd be one thing if it was like a second baseman can't go beyond the base. A shortstop like can't that. go beyond the base. Like there should be limitations. A limitation, to it. and not, not only that, you would altogether. it would literally be, say, uh, the first two pitches, you lined up this way, and then well, then you knew all well, the way the analytics said. Now move over this way and this way, and then on the next three pitches you're in a different, and then maybe even like oh, there's a seventh pitch. All right, we'll go back to this way because he's definitely going to hit it to that spot now. Like. Switching between every batter, like there's got to be at least a way of limiting it. I, I get it. Like you're a professional hitter, go out there and hit it where they ain't. So but it's also a it's a different means of baseball. Uh, there's now, another now, argument, nowadays. and I'll get I'll just second James. There's another another argument that I and you probably you might remember this. You any of you guys, if you play baseball, you might remember this. If coach ever showed it to you, we this weren't is, catchers though. It's not. It's, it's not has nothing to do with catcher. <laughs> he feels me. He's laughing. Yeah. Whatever. Anyway, it was an old diagram. And it was all the positions, and it had shading where the coverage was for that player, what that the ground that that player was responsible for covering. What happened to that? For, we're talking about hitters. What happened to the idea of a player being able to cover ground? Yeah, right. We these guys don't have to cover ground anymore. I remember. I remember back when Griffey got grounded because he cut his father off on a fly ball because he was able to get that far. He had the coverage. Yeah. You have some guys that can play well from a defensive standpoint, and and JJ Hardy, even in his older age, he could get to the ball. Right, he could get to the ball. He had the arm to do it. Jeter with the jump throw. Manny, Manny with his coverage in the range, being able to do it and then get the ball over. You have to be able to cover your position. To me, it's covering up defensive that's a, opportunities. I, we'll call that's them. a pretty interesting thing. I'll, I'll put it. I've never really put it. Heard it put that way. I, that I bring that up because yeah. my my dad would kill me if I didn't. It's got to be everywhere. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it is. It, it covers everything. It isn't just like I said. Like we, it, you can't just sit there and say, "Well, you should be hitting the, the other way." You can't. Not the other, the other aspect you got to think about this real quick is the MLB is struggling to maintain their fan base. Right? Like MLB yeah. is in a bad way right now. What sells is offense, right? So they're trying to figure out ways to improve offense without doing the steroid era, without doing the inflated baseball era, because they get criticized for all that. So what's a way fundamentally we can change the game that will improve offensive output? And I think this is one way of doing it. Yeah, go ahead, James. I just can't stand as a fan of baseball. I like, you know, the Orioles are my team, but I like going, I can go to any ballpark and, and have a good time. But I just can't stand watching the game and watching the guy pull his hat off to look like where this guy hits or pulling a card out. They've got like, bracelets that are coming like, out for that. I, I can't fucking stand it. Like, <laughs> Seriously. I know like, because of the play at home play last year. I, I think, I think at, in the clubhouse you have a, a, a cheat chart for everybody that you're playing that day, but I can't stand when I'm watching a game this guy pulls out his pocket. He's like, we, yeah. we like, all I, we all played baseball. Just play baseball. It's not that fucking hard. I would say we all played baseball. We've all played, you know, whether it's baseball, softball, even like wiffle ball or something. If you get a, get a group of friends together, I remember being being in the outfield and being controlling my outfielders. Hey, go go over there. And last time he he pulled the living shit out of this ball because he threw him yeah. inside. He's gonna throw him inside again. Get over there. Play the line a little about bit better. Multi million dollar players, not somebody if playing I, in their backyard. It's a little different. They're, you're you're professionals. You should be able to study the people you're playing I against. I understand that, but people are using these sheets and stuff like that to gain every little competitive edge that they can possibly get. To, but, is that, but is that not watering down the game? I, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with you. I'm just I saying I have no why. problem. Leave it in the dugout. Right. Yeah. Like, I if you want to look at it in between. Wait, guy, oh, who's up? 
they pull out the sheet or the picture. Well, pulls like I said, I, I did like, I did read this report the other day. They are working on a band, like a, a basically like a wristband. It's the same that's thing as quarterback. Have, has. Elec- electronically, though, that they'll be able to the catcher oh, in the pitcher. The catcher in the pitcher. The catcher in the pitcher will be able to communicate pitches without the, the chance of see, uh, sign stealing. That's the whole premise behind it to start, and then it could grow from there. Pitch better. No, I'm talking about <laughs> signs so that you, that somebody Again, can't steal I, your sign. I understand that. You can steal a sign. You still have to hit the ball. You got to throw. If I throw you a fastball, you don't know where it's coming. Come on, you know what pitch head. is coming, but you don't know where it's coming. You, well, then you can say the same thing about the trash can. You know it's coming. You're going to fucking still hit the ball, but we give shit to the Astros for cheating. Well, look. We did say back then you still have to hit the ball. Like You, you can know saying. what's coming, but you still have to hit it. Can't talk out of both sides. That's all I'm I want to at least bring up the fact that like how shitty is Rob Manfred no matter what side you want to think and pick on They're both sides listen right. you had a guy you just sat there and talked about cheating the cheating thing yeah you he you fucked had a, it up you had a guy you fucked like you did that you you let the Astros get away with it anonymity, anonymity or whatever you called it a piece of metal so if your commissioner who like we've heard enough about Goodell, the commissioner worked for the owners. So if Rob Manfred is thinking that that's just a piece of tin, that's just a piece of metal, that means the owners don't. That is that. That's nine times out of ten, maybe half the owners don't. That's how the owners feel. That was a piece of metal. Well, they want it this year. We're, we'll go out there and we'll spend money and bring it. So I, I just how shitty of a commissioner you keep having. You go through that whole saga. Then you didn't have fans that really have those guys have to deal with that shit because of COVID. Like I said, the, the CBA talks that you had during COVID, you couldn't fucking agree on. And it took you 60 games and you were animate on where you were going to play games at a certain point. And then now that like at what point do you just stop seeing somebody like you making like goddamn Gary Bettman look like. But here, here's next the thing. to Roger Goodell, one of the better commissioners. Here's the thing I'll argue against that, right? Because, yes, did he fuck up the Astros thing? I think a lot of people are in agreement he fucked that up, right? COVID, he couldn't help it. Whatever. It, there's nothing he could do about that. that COVID was what COVID was. I'm not was. blaming him for COVID. But at the same time, the whole collective bargaining agreement thing, the players, we, what we heard over the past 48 hours is it takes two to tango, and that was his exact comments multiple times throughout this thing because he consistently, he was consistently saying, we went to them. They went to them multiple times between the, the first time they met right after the end of the season and when they actually got down there to Jupiter. They tried to meet. They were trying to get this going. We heard nothing from the Players Association disputing this. We heard nothing from them other than, we want this. We want this. Their tone never changed. If you if you actually listen and you know what they were asking for, what the players were asking for, the league bent on a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. It may not always be the big, big items, right? But the hope is I bend here so you bend here. That's the definition of compromise. There's no compromise happening on the player side from my perspective. We we talk about billionaires and millionaires, and I can't. Still all remains that. to be seen. We but haven't heard the players' union come we've out. We're also hearing talk, a lot yeah. of propaganda get can get can we've get also, out there a lot because there was a there was there was the uh, Associated Press baseball Twitter account was literally like. Their article and their headline was, hey, look at Max Scherzer show up in his Ferrari. And this guy, like, whatever expensive car they were going to, like, what what, 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 athlete in there, you know what I mean? All athletes have some fancy-ass car. 
even if they're not making 25, 30, 40 million dollars. Like it would there's a lot of propaganda the other way in my mind too. Yeah, it takes two to tango, but it was also a lot of propaganda coming out of his mouth, sitting there going like, "No matter what, we're gonna, we're no, we're gonna, we're, there's gonna be baseball. There's gonna be no change, no whatsoever." And yeah, you can sit there and say that no one, they didn't budge, but you were budging a lot. Well, then don't come out and say little things like that. Like, but why? What? What? At some point, you're backtracking. What motivation then. does he have not to do that? Because all that they've said is no, they're wrong. We're, we want this. The players have not come out and said, hey, we've said we've been willing to compromise on things X, Y, and Z. Not once have I personally heard that. Maybe it's happened and I missed it. And maybe, but- maybe Tony Clark sucks. Maybe Tony Clark should be doing all the, the, the lip service and the propaganda that Manfred and his regime is pulling off because I, I don't care. I just, I'm tired of seeing Fred We Manfred's. can only go off of what we can. Okay, the owners suck, the baseball players suck, but can we? you can't be sitting there and telling me Manfred's a great commissioner. I'm not saying he's a great commissioner, but you you can't again. You can't put this all on him. If there, if we knowingly and there's tons of reports saying that this has come out. Even there have been reports at the players' association saying, "Yeah, they gave us a a, a offer. We didn't want it." What the fuck you mean you didn't want it? If they're willing to bend on this shit, you had 16 hours yesterday that you were you were flexing. And if they did, he said that they didn't say that this was the final, the last and final offer. But if they did, at some point, the one side's going to go, I'm tired of arguing on this point. So here's our best shot. Here's the best thing that we can do. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm going to save this conversation if we want to dive in deeper in the after hours. I don't want the depression. Because we got to talk a little bit of happy news, right? Or at least some potentially exciting news, specifically revolving around the Orioles, right? Not just MLB, specifically around the Orioles. Rumors broke yesterday of a potential big signing or at least a big contract offer for the Orioles. Uh, as there is some real interest from Mike Elias and the Orioles on free agent shortstop Carlos Correa. Yeah, I mean, not surprising given the fact that he was there when Correa was drafted. He was part of that regime, part of that process, picking him out. Uh, you know, there's obviously those ties. He likes what he sees. But there's, there's to your point, a lot to dissect with this. You know, the team was apparently considering 10 years, $350 million. It was going to be supposedly heavily. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't just, like, glaze over this. Well, before it was 10 years, $350 million. The Orioles, right, potentially rumored for a 10-year, $350 million contract around a player where we just went down this road a couple <laughs> years ago with Manny Machado, a homegrown talent that they didn't want to pay that kind of money to, right? Different regime. And they let walk. Same uh, but yeah. full circle and a deet in our chat room actually brought this up on Twitter the other day, and I thought it was a great point that right now is actually a very similar time for the Orioles that the Padres were in when the Padres signed Manny Machado, right? They had a good farm system. Orioles right now are the number one farm system in baseball. They had a bunch of top prospects right on the cusp of coming up. Manny Machado was going to be that extra piece, that new veteran, that $300 million guy. Could Carlos Correa be that piece for us? And is it the right timing for this deal now? I love it. So I think there, there's a few pieces here, right? So obviously we know we need some some help in the middle infield. 
So you're locking up a guy that we know is a proven guy. He's 27 years old, 6'4", 220 at shortstop, that big build type shortstop, yeah. right? Cal Ripken size. Yeah, we, we've seen him hit. Legit uh, about the same. We've hit, seen him hit okay, 277, right? 20, uh, 20 to 25 home runs. stats to what Cal averaged. No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying it is. I don't know. 20 to 25 home runs, 85 to 95 RB, RBIs uh, here. It, it is very similar to your point. Um, some fans completely against the idea simply because of the, the cheater piece here. It's just a piece you got, of metal. <laughs> you've got the, the fact that this is a long, to your point, it's a long-term commitment. Uh, the, the fact that he, he is a guy that is viewed by the league in negative light in some ways, but in other ways he, he, he is been able to do well. Maybe this is his way of, you know, kind of getting it, getting away from the Astros and getting in his own, uh, you know, own book, so to speak, or writing his own book and writing his own chapter. I'm curious, what is what is your take on this? Because I look at this and I don't I don't hate it, but it does tell me one thing that we're closer than we thought. Yeah, that that would be what it would tell me too. And uh, what I feel and what I've I've I read about it and heard was. This wasn't a situation, and I'll I'll go a little off topic to bring it back. This wasn't a situation where it was a random guy like saying, "Oh yeah, Hollywood Brown's going to retire and go be a gamer." The guy that hey, this guy had a check mark. This yeah, this guy had a check mark. <laughs> this guy like it 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 is someone who would be credible, deemed yeah. credible. Yeah. Now, so that makes me say it's entirely possible that, that at least internally they would look at him and would want him. The player coming here and and wanting that is completely different. Maybe, hey, he could sit there and say, I won my title already, and I everyone that's in that front office I've already dealt with, I'm comfortable with. This situation looks good. Like you meet with, I mean, whenever you're allowed to talk to you meet with these these this front office, everything seems real and and only up, and they tell you, look. Swear this first year you come here might it's not it won't be what you're used to, but that next year and a year after we're, you're getting right back to where you're used to be winning baseball. That's the thing though is he he was he was there he was part of the organization when they struggled in Houston. Yeah, right. Yeah, he, was, he came at the end of it, it a little bit. He was but he was but he was losing. He was part of the organization and knew what was happening yeah, exactly, in that organization. Yeah. He so, was part of the tide changing. For yeah, that. yeah, exactly. So I think he's looking at that and kind of saying, okay, this is a type of this is a type of deal you know that, that comes in and I could be that Manny that Machado that one that one piece right that can happen. Uh, I I think. It's it's something that's interesting to watch. I think I'm going to be kind of sitting back and saying, okay, when, when does this lockout happen, and, and what does it change with this contract? Because obviously, it was it, whatever happens with the, that is going to change potentially change some of these contracts that are that are potentially out there. But I, go ahead. I'll just say I'll give my take on this really really quickly. I do think that if this deal gets done, one, I'll be super happy, right? But I do think that this speaks volumes of where Mike Elias in this front office believes that this team is because. In my opinion, I really still think they're one, two years away from being a playoff contention type team, right? They got to get that top level talent here, and that top level talent has to prove that they can play at the MLB level yet, right? Carlos Correa would be a great addition to that, but you would you would think that the Orioles would wait that year or two before bringing in a contract of this size, but there's no guarantee in a year or two that there's going to be a Carlos Correa on the market at that time. So this, again, to me, speaks volumes of where the Orioles think they are because if they're willing to spend 
early on this, which he went on the Glenn, uh, the guy that, that that reported this went on the Glenn Clark radio show earlier today as they went back and forth on this, and the the contract apparently that was laid out was front loaded. It was supposed to be like forty four million dollars a year for the first two years, and then twenty nine million dollars a year after that, which to me tells me that obviously. They don't have a whole lot of expectations for payroll those first couple of years because they, they can have a afford bunch to pay of young guys. The, yeah. They can afford to pay a Carlos Correa the $44 million a year. But once some of those guys come up and prove themselves, the Adleys and the Graysons and all that stuff, and they got to start budgeting for those contracts, that's where that contract has to come down. So there might actually be some real roots here. And again, the connection to Elias makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense. Um, but when I started digging into numbers, and this is why I put that note in there, like, does it sound familiar statistically about his career numbers? Actually, what his numbers are very comparable to is the first three years of J.J. Hardy's career as an Oriole, as a hitter. When you're looking at what his impact was in the offense, RBIs, average, home runs, it's exactly where J.J. Hardy was. Correa right? and Correa is above an above-average defender just like Hardy was. Right. But think of the contract that we got J.J. Hardy on. Oh, fucking steal. Right. It was a steal of a deal, right? So now, in retrospect, you're paying $350 million for a similar output, $44 million, $29 million, whatever it's going to be, a year yeah. for that kind of contract. It's just crazy in that 10 years how much contracts have changed in that time. And yeah. it, it, it spells for me where maybe it's, uh, it's orange Kool-Aid. But, look, you can sit there and not like – what they've done and you can call it tanking. You can be your bus roll knees. I get it. That's kind of how baseball set up. We, we talked about that ad nauseum, but like I said before with Elias, everything that he's pretty much talked about since coming to the warehouse, we've seen. Yeah. yeah. He's not sugarcoated anything. It's going to suck. So everything he's done, a couple of everything that he's talked about is pretty much doing like they exhausted all their international money and brought, you know, to, to all these uh, players down there. Then the fact that, like, you know, they were spending money before. This isn't, like, 2002 Orioles. This isn't, like, 2010 Orioles. Like, they were spending money. It, they had $150 million payroll. It went in, south. What, yeah. 14 but there was those points where, like, it, they were trying in 2017, 2018. It was horrible effort of trying, and it was completely misguided. And it was, you know, uh, I was going to say Dan Connolly, not Dan. Duquette. Dan Duquette, yeah. you know, kind of nickel and dime in his way, whatever he did. But... To that old adage of like, oh, the Orioles aren't going to spend money. They've done that. Whether it, it, it sucked, and yeah, maybe they we signed Bobby Bonilla. They at one backed point themselves and in Albert Bell, and they backed themselves <laughs> in the corner with the whole Chris Davis thing. So I just that's just my thing. Like I get like anyone who might be, uh, yeah, whatever. But this ain't the same situation. Right. Yeah. No. And it's when you say it's not the same situation too, right? When you when you look at this, we saw this week. Uh, obviously, the 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 youth of the organization, the, the future of this organization, uh, had some bright spots this past week as the Orioles hosted some of the minor leaguers down in Sarasota. Um, we saw some of the show the talent showing out this past week, including one Heston Kersed, uh, who, according to Eric Eric underscore Birdland on Twitter, uh, his words were an absolute tater to write. It was a pretty good shot. Yeah, this guy, credit to Eric Eric Birdland, whoever he is out there, man. He's been posting, you know, he's videos. Down there, yeah. He's down there yeah, in literally. the trenches, like videos of these guys catching fly balls, taking BP, running drills. Kudos to him for putting and that up there because fans like us like Especially like, to like see a that. curse because I'm the one that kind of always gave the benefit. Let's see. Let's see if he, you know what I mean? Like, let's see him show anything. Well, look, he's showing like he, 
maybe he's the put, hard issues are behind. He's putting he's putting things together, which is good. And I he looked he, in the video. He's further away, so it's hard to tell. But he looks healthy. He looks he looks solid. You know who uh, looks good too is Stowers. Stowers yeah. looks real good. Kobe Mayo, yeah. pretty damn good. Kobe yeah, Mayo, that uh, sounds great. Then you also had a video get posted this weekend by the baseball bat bros. And yeah, this was fun to watch. If you yeah. haven't seen this as yeah. an Orioles fan, you better go watch it after the shows, of course. Yes, yeah, after the now. show. Don't I do mean, it now. Well, you can watch it on a tablet and still watch <laughs> yeah. If you can do two things at once, then fine. But if not, you stick know, with us. So tub, like, Ryan. What, what, what was it? <laughs> All right. So uh, you saw they, they brought in two former Oregon State players uh, to, to kind of sit down. It was Zach Taylor uh, and Adley Rutschman. Obviously, Adley being a former Beaver, he was there with Zach. Nice little thing. What they do is they do like a little uh, home run derby um and they have some of the we'll call them the wannabes or the guys that have that have only made it so far the guys like us that would love to be where these guys the are The guys that run the youtube page. yeah and the guys that run the youtube page they, they they're using metal bats they're out there they're trying to hit these bombs they were in a field where it was like 320 all the way around so that was the first thing i was like yeah eh. it, and looked it, looked like, cold. it looked like the local park in the neighborhood is what it it done. i was like. waiting for them to hit a house yeah um and they Look almost out, did he's up <laughs> yeah they almost did uh but no you, you saw them go out there and the 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 guys from the youtube channel they're using metal bats uh but adley he used the wood bat he used uh, he the used metal bat the first on right handed, and then he moved to left handed and used the wooden bat, and he was so much better with the wood bat. So much better. And but, pop from the left side yeah. oh gets me God. excited for a warehouse bomb. Yeah, yeah it, I just yeah, I love the prospect of watching him play. Head and shoulders ridiculous. above the other two in this little mock, you know, mock thing. Again, the pop off his bat. Did you notice that anybody else? I'm not, not going to allude to anything. Did anybody notice anything or anything that stood out to them in that video with Adley when he was hitting left handed? I mean, he's got a little bit of an uppercut swing, but that's just him outside of that now. I saw that, but that wasn't what alerted me. What? If you go back and watch the video after the show, his turn on his front foot kind of scares me a little. He has an aggressive turn on his front foot. If you go look at some of the, you know, the big names in history, the big home run guys in history that kind of have that raw natural power. Didn't Manny they, Machado do that? Like he twisted his knee on a swing and fucked his knee up. He was the first, uh, the second knee tear was yeah. He got, he did it, and so when he did that, and then he, he made contact. So he, he when he, he started to run it out, that's when it. Uh, yeah, okay. he but, didn't make it like ten feet but up. This one is—it's not necessarily torn. the knee. This is the ankle. His ankle, when he turns, it actually rolls almost like he's standing on his ankle. It's that crazy looking. Wow. You know how your how your right foot is right yeah. now? That's how it looks, and it's like. Ooh, and you go back and you look. I even started Googling like some guys that, you know, we've heard comparisons on and, and just power guys. The only guy that I could find close in, in with relative power and size that's a similar size was Mike Trout that did something similar, but it wasn't nearly as pronounced as his. Now, I know he's trying to hit the home runs here. He's doing it for fun. But I, it's going to make me – I am going to start watching. It was I'll just pay attention, but that's somebody you don't mess with his swing. He's gotten where oh, he's no, got. I don't want to yeah. mess with his swing, but I, I, do, I do kind of – I'm like, whew, I hope he does not do something to that foot the way that it was. Because there was there was one or two. He did lose his balance on one yeah. because uh, he was swinging yeah. outside of his – I'm like, dude, ooh, keep that front foot flat. Um, like, keep that fucker flat. So one thing that did come to mind while we're sitting there talking about uh, the future, uh, yeah, there's the MLB lockout. And the, the the pro teams aren't playing. They aren't practicing. They aren't doing spring training. We're talking about the training we've seen these guys do. If you're not on the 40 man roster, minor leagues are a go. Yep. So uh, definitely uh, see Norfolk me at minor league games. and Bowie and 
Aberdeen, when their seasons are ready to go, they're ready to go. Now, uh, fortunately, you get to see Rutschman, Kirstead Mayo, pretty much everything we've already did. Yeah. Grayson Rodriguez. I mean, half the guys that we signed in the, the offseason. Bummer too, that, that bothers me. I don't know. Just uh, the stickler for me is the guys that I are like I like that are a little bit less hair, not less heralded, but that underneath that are are our top one hundred prospects. DLLs on the forty, he ain't playing. He's still Uh, coming back from injury anyway. Yeah, Yeah. Kyle Bradish, Kevin Smith, two other young arms that we're intrigued by. They're on the forty. They're not going to be able. You know what I mean? So, so at least like I just wanted to at least point out like. I can understand not wanting to get into the minor leagues, but look, look, if they ain't playing for the first month and you knew they were coming back on May 1st, hey, in April, get out, you know, nothing get out, but you, you keep track of all these minor league games because sure they're playing minor league games. I'm sure there's conversations through the agents of, you know, hey, can you make, you know, let's make sure that he's, he's healthy Ooh, we want to yeah. see him when he's there. So interesting comment here by Adi. Good question. He says, who's the most likely prospect to get traded in this scenario? Mayo, Westberg, Henderson, Norby, or Vavra? Because there's a, a, an influx of talent there at similar positions. They're probably not going to keep all of these guys. So if you're trading guys for other pieces, who would be your likely piece out of that? And God why? Damn it, Adid. That's a great question. It's a great, great question. question. I, I am I am eliminating I Mayo right away. I'm eliminating you Mayo and Henderson. I love Mayo. I, I love his raw power. I um, think he's I think he's very similar to Ryan Mountcastle as far as power goes. Uh, I'd say it'd be too early on Norby. Too early on Norby. Uh, Westberg would be between Westberg and Vavra for me. I I would so, lean towards Westberg being like really out of towards, that out of that four. I, I think, lean towards Vavra. I think if if this but we're if down the to those situation two, with yeah. Carlos Correa happens, yeah. right? I think Henderson becomes expendable because I've seen him in person and defensively he has not impressed me. Offensively he's good. He struggled a little bit when he's he got Ryan to double Mountcastle. A. He is. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, he's going to be another corner infielder. Yeah. He's not going to stick at shortstop uh, unless we just don't have a you know a Carlos Correa or a free agent signing. So I think I think in my opinion, if I had to pick somebody from there, not named Vavra or Westbrook, uh, I'd probably. Go Henderson and Henderson okay. would be the one to be like would in the trade would be the one drawing like a bigger oh, name than yeah. the other guys we were talking. Yeah, about. He's definitely going to draw the most. I just think he, there's he of those guys outside of May. To me, it's Mayo and Henderson is two guys that have probably to me the biggest upside uh, to them and showing the most uh, as, as we've seen them so far. Mayo so. is almost untouchable. In my yeah. opinion, uh, agreed. I'll agree with that. Uh, last thing is, you oh, actually okay. brought this up in our uh, in our chat uh, yeah. about the the off season signing for the the broadcast that may or may not happen. Now, who knows? Whatever it happens. <laughs> so, uh, Kevin Brown has signed on uh, to be the full time play by play broadcaster in 2022. You'll see the uh, the rotation of Ben McDonald, Cakes, and sometimes Dave Johnson. Uh, doing the color. Uh, so, you know, there'll be 130 telecasts. The rest will be split between Garceau, Jeff Arnold, <laughs> Melanie Newman. I like, I like, no offense to Garceau. I, you know, for me, it's getting old. Man. It's just time's kind of, it was a little bit too late to the party because yeah. it was like he was on the radio and then. Well, it's, <laughs> the whole reason they brought him back was nostalgia. Yeah. Right? You're trying to appeal to the nostalgia. They got the rid of a crowd. lot of other nostalgia pieces, but they decided to keep Garceau, yeah. who was not very good at But Gar- Gar- Garceau takes you back to the HTS sports days. Yeah. Well, Kevin Davis. Kevin which... Brown's, look, Kevin Brown's better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, I'd rather see ahead of him, but then, um, which this bothers me, but not like it sticks in my crawl. But the they've been doing road bro, the road 
broadcasts have been remotely kind of the COVID situation the last yeah. couple of years. That's sticking. So to me, that kind of that, blaming COVID's kind of bullcrap anymore at this point. It's a I money saver. I think it's a money saver. I don't know how many teams are kind of doing that same thing to pick and compare, but at least it is something well, that we can at least bring up. Like if, if that's kind of an isolated thing that like – so they're I think one of would, five teams doing that. that it's I think it like, might. Come de- on. It could depend on their contract, you right? Think because it, a lot of those people are are more so. Uh, what is it, what's the word that you're looking for when you do something on your own? Um, freelance. A lot of the, a lot of those guys they're under contract, but they're freelance, so they still have to. You know, they're doing their own taxes. Yeah, they Jeff still Arnold to, does. Yeah, they have to do their own taxes. They got to. They have to be responsible for their own travel, their own. Uh, you know, uh, lodging and everything. So if if it's built in their contract, I get that. If it's not then there's really no do you, excuse. Do you really think it impacted the the game day experience, having them do it from Camden Yards and not on the road? Oh, you could tell times where there were slight delays because you're, you're, they're you're getting, waiting on camera angles. They're waiting on change. camera angles. They don't have the thing in front of them. They can only go, they can only go off what the, the home team is giving them. Right. So if they're talking about, uh, if you're, if you're wanting to talk about um, Man- Mancini, Right, it they has to be on Mancini. You're not that. in control of your own thing. Yeah, you're, so you're seeing like a regular broadcast. Like it, I've, you've heard it said before. Now, like it's the equivalent of when you and I did the Monday nights. Yeah, no, I get like it. that's that's what I look at. If you're, a, it's uh, you've heard it. I've heard it. Uh, it's a lot easier to call a game when you're just you're looking, you're feeling in the atmosphere oh, yeah, of the thing. Yeah. You're seeing the whole field from where you're at. It's the perfect vantage well, point. And you're box. able to communicate to, hey, give me this camera angle. Yeah. Hey, give me this camera angle. You don't get you get whatever their fucking camera guys yeah. are giving you. That's but, all you get. Like uh uh, if you've heard anything of snippets, you can go and find out anything from John Sterling with the Yankees. When when it's when you're not following the the thing, you could tell the difference. Yeah. All right, it is time for this week's rundown. And, uh, Fred, we'll stick with the baseball, and we're going to throw it over to you first. All right, man, yeah, stick with baseball. On Monday, Derek Jeter and the Marlins have decided to mutually part ways as he's going to end up stepping down as CEO, effective immediately. Apparently, uh, the Marlins crew thought this was so important or such a big move that they coned off his parking spot. That was my favorite photo I've seen in forever. <laughs> it was hilarious. I didn't understand the Like, cones. he's just going to pull in. Were, like, I want my spot back. What does it matter? There's yeah, people what? questioning if that was, like, done by some random person. Well, it was, it's like, like, it's five cones and they were all on the same sizes. <laughs> it was the most random thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, but Jeter said in a statement released through his PR, uh, I'll no longer serve as CEO nor as a shareholder in the club. We have had a vision for five years uh, to turn the Marlins franchise around. And as CEO, I have been proud to put my name and reputation on the line to make our plan a reality. Through hard work, trust, and accountability, we transform every aspect of the franchise, reshaping the workforce and developing a long-term strategic plan for success. That said, the vision of the future of the franchise is different than the one I signed up to lead. Uh, and I can understand that, right? If you signed up for something with a, a clear path and that path is now changed and it's not to your agreement, I can understand Derek Jeter is somebody who has a strong reputation within the Major League Baseball community, but this is his first front office job. You don't want this to go poorly because it's a direct reflection on you. So at the end of the day, if they're not agreeing <laughs> to go in your direction, <laughs> I'm out of here. And if you look at the payroll during his tenure there, when he started at purchase, it was $151 million. It went down to 100 the next year, down to 71 the following, and 57 last they year. It. <laughs> I mean, they basically paid nothing and that, this that, that doesn't year. include the COVID year, which was like 42. Exactly. So then there was a 57 on top of that. Right. So obviously there's a, a miscommunication there as to what the, what the path was supposed to be. And Derek Jeter said, I'm out. 
And obviously, I don't blame him. Don't blame him. Don't yeah. blame him. Uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks. They're going to play NFL's first regular season game in Germany this year. And they're going to take on the Green Bay Packers for the first time. I'm sorry. The the Green Bay Packers are traveling abroad for the first time. They're the ones going over to to London London this year. Uh, Which, in that one, the piece with the Germany thing, uh, they said the Bucs will host the inaugural game in Munich. Uh, Although their opponents and date have not been announced, they are willing to do it. Uh, They did come out and say, this is a historic game. We'll be played in a crucial, we'll play a crucial role in the NFL's efforts to grow the international footprint while allowing us to directly engage NFL fans in Germany. I, I, I don't hate this. I, I do like the fact that they are, are kind of try, trying to spread out. It, they're trying to make this an international game uh, and not just, you know, the the American sport. They're obviously in London. We've seen the fan base there. They've loved it. They loved it when and they showed up when when the MLB came there. It's something different for them, especially for them. They're looking at, at it and seeing it comparison to rugby for a lot of them with football. So for them to turn around and really be interested uh, and continuing to see the the international, I get it. I, I probably would say it'd be better as preseason games, not in in season games. But that's just my opinion. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting, and we're going to talk about in the two minute warning the Green Bay Packers' latest move in promoting <laughs> that piece. True, what do you got? So uh, I know we're in March, but March is March Madness is definitely right around the corner. We're getting close to the individual conference tournament uh, uh, type for the titles. So <laughs> pretty good. So uh, for a first time in <laughs> men's college basketball history, every single one of the top six teams lost on Saturday night. It's crazy. And add that to happened it, before we went to Vegas. Yeah, <laughs> add, I know, right? Add to it. I mean, it was uh, seven in the top ten altogether because Texas Tech also lost. But you had number one Gonzaga go down to St. Mary's. Uh, that uh, St. Mary's was ranked 24th. So, you know, it's it's uh, it's kind of like those two, if you don't really know, those two are the the best of that conference. Uh, nine times out of ten, they kind of both make make the, t- the, the big tournament. Yeah. Uh, it jumped St. Mary all the way up to 16 with the win. Arizona lost to an unranked Colorado. Auburn lost to a ranked Tennessee. The SEC is looking really good, has a lot of, of ranked teams. Purdue goes down to Michigan State. Michigan State, you know, they're, they're a stalwart. Kansas uh, down 10 to Baylor. Baylor went from uh, – so Kansas was number five. Baylor went from 10 all the way up to the second spot in the AP That's a big jump. That's a big jump. Now, you know, a lot on your shoulders now. And then uh, Kentucky also went down to Arkansas. It was really cool to see that, like, because it just has – ah, yeah, March is around the corner. <laughs> it feels – I know we had March Madness last year. It was – some teams, you had a couple situations. I think some teams couldn't make it, so the, you know they lost out on going. But uh, at least you know you're going to have that real feel of March Madness again. You know yeah. what this tells me? This tells me that the transfer portal is doing what it's supposed to yep. do. It's making the competitive balance of college basketball better. Yep. James, what do you got? Uh, I got uh, – did you guys see the John Morant buzzer beater again? That kid is a freak. Yeah. He's, he's he is so fun to watch. And, like, he's <laughs> flying all over the place. He's a like, freak. Yeah, he he's got some raw talent. Like I I didn't picture it, but um, with four seconds left, uh, point it was point four, wasn't point, it? Point four yeah. seconds left. You literally and did. up by nine. That's all he did at the half. Steve Adams heaved up. Well, you know he's heaved. He looks like fucking um, Aquaman <laughs> fucking throwing the ball. <laughs> yeah, <he was laughs> threw a pass half court, and then John Morant in the air caught it and threw it in, and uh, it went in, and he so scored. It was volleyball esque. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> and he scored 52 that game, which is a career high. Um, franchise high. Yeah, franchise high. And then um, he also beat the, the Grizzly 118 to 105. You mean they, they, the Grizzlies beat the Spurs in that yeah, game? Yeah, the Spurs. He also yeah. had an amazing dunk in that game, too. It was like in triple coverage, like three yeah. guys there. He just dunked over all. Yeah, that was before no, he, all that. He, Pretty sure he had back-to-back huge games he, like this, too. He, yeah, he dunked over. Yeah, he's out playing the Grizzlies like soon enough. <laughs> that, guy, that guy's going to get paid, dude. Uh, Two-minute warning, yeah, but I got to hit that button, don't I? <laughs> oh, oh. No rules. No boundaries. Two topics. 30 seconds That's each. That's official. It's even made the sippy cup sound for the two <laughs> minutes. Warning. No! All right, fellas, it's time for the two minute warning. I'm going to ask the questions this time and sit back, and I'll have to keep my responses for the after hours because these are two good questions. Uh, first one, you're going to have to kind of go just listen (laughs) Packers we just talked about it right the whole London thing released a promo picture uh, for the upcoming game but strategically or maybe not strategically who knows left Rodgers and Devontae Adams off the picture you guys think this is an omen for their departure why would you put two guys on something if you don't know if they're going to be around? It, I, I get it. It makes sense. It's, but it does. To me, it is an omen that they don't feel that there's there's strong enough talks to put these guys on your primary thing that you're trying to promote. It, now, I'm sure there's an easy way to fit them in somewhere or to put them in into future ones. But to leave them off your your first one, I think it's a clear signal to both sides that we're willing to move on without you guys if you if you're not willing to make the yeah. The same way, what it's 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 way too early to, what does it matter? Kind of, but then it's like you don't know if they're going to be there or not. You don't, and then two, if you look, it just shows we're up, we're up for more drama. It's more drama with the Packers again. It's more drama with Rodgers. I'm I'm still a fan of his, but it's just more drama for that for him and that franchise going forward. All right, so. Kyler Murray, in kind of a power move, and his agent sent their own contract proposal to the Cards front office this week. What do you make of their approach? This is a goddamn shit show at this point with this kid. <laughs> I mean, with everything him coming out and causing the problems and the players being worried about it, now you go back to them and you apologize, quote, apologize, by sending them a contract offer? Are you fucking kidding me, dude? The last thing they want to see from you is a contract offer attached to an apology note. That's like, hey, I'm sorry for hitting your car. You owe me $300. <laughs> Doesn't work. Doesn't work that way. Dude can't finish a season. He, I, you don't really even know if, I mean, how long is that air raid system with, with oh, the fucking coach's name? Like, how long is that? He fits Plus, in that Kingsbury, system. Kingsbury. It's Kingsbury. Like, how long, like, if he gets the ax, is that kid even going to be able to adjust if the system changes? And I, I just hearken the fact, like, he can't finish the season. You in the playoffs, you blow it, and then you're the one making demands, and then your little note is all in caps. <laughs> it's like fucking. What are you? This isn't eleventh grade. We're gonna talk more about this. We gotta talk more about this in the after hours. For he's, sure. he's two. He's about that size. He's about that size. <laughs> Give Wyatt a run for his money. Oh man. Well, we appreciate you guys tuning in again with us this week. Fred trying out the producer chair over there. 
Told you he couldn't keep his mouth shut. I tried. Uh, Nor should he. (laughs) He shouldn't either. You're right. Uh, But we appreciate you, Drew, over in the the driver's seat this week. Fun as always. Uh, And we'll talk some more here in the after hours. James, thanks for joining us as always, too. We want to remind you, check out the website, www.burylandbs.com. While you're there, you can check out all the episodes. You can learn about each of us. You can get yourself some of our gear. And don't forget the latest episode of Shell and Tell, also Hello. on the website. Go check that out. I know the guys have been working hard with that. You can also follow us on bigplay.com uh, and through all of their social media pages. But make sure you go to our social media accounts, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. You name it, at BirdlandBS is how you find us. Make sure you like, follow, subscribe, share while you're there. Become a part of this Birdland BS Nation we got going on because we love having you guys in the chat room, commenting, sending us stuff. We're kind of popping in spaces on Twitter here and there, so make sure you look out for us and give us a follow while you're there. If you want to hear the audio version of the show, you can find it on all of, our, all of your social media platforms. I'm sorry, all of your podcast platforms. I cannot get, get my head straight today. All of your podcast platforms, make sure you subscribe. Give us a five-star review while you're there. And if we're not on the one that you're listening to, let us know. We'll try to figure out a way to get on there. Thanks for tuning in, as always, guys. For Drew, Fred, James, Ryan, who's at home this week, apparently in his bathtub, and myself. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. See ya. Time for the after party. Last call for alcohol. All right. Talk about the little guy. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I, I'm I right here. It. You know what? Like, I normally would not. Like, I, I think it's low-hanging fruit, that joke, any, any of the stature jokes. But at this point, you're, you're a joke. I mean, this whole thing, the, the letter, I, like, I understand, like, wanting to get paid and <laughs> I guess speaking outwardly about it but to have your agent go about it this way in this kind of sh- like shit or get off the pot move you know towards the, the the front office it's just it's a stupid move in my opinion for kyler um and it looks bad not only that you go all through all this thing to get this letter together and then you have a misspelling in it right it, it's, it's something is i know it's stupid and it shouldn't go the font's terrible in it like it just it the whole all, thing like looks bad it's, it's, like, yeah it's all capitalized like the whole thing is just a bad look um and, and this just goes right in line with everything that we've heard about kyler as a person i get it that he's you know uh, he's uh, he's got to promote himself right so he's gotta he's gotta do these things, but these are things to be held behind closed doors. You didn't need to make this public and send this out to this way. It's just it's ridiculous and in my opinion. It's not like I could get I could get being worried about your future and you and even then this didn't work against Dak necessarily, but I could see you looking at a situation like Dak where he got towards that end of that rookie deal and he got hurt and everything became in doubt. 
the Dallas still ended up paying and whether he would have got paid more or not without the, you know, without the injury is beside the point. It's like right. just in my mind, I haven't heard anything. It's not like Arizona gave you a reason to go out and do it. I compare it to Russell Wilson. He has passive aggressive, like, well, no, I don't want to go anywhere. But if it's these one, two, three, four teams, at least that guy has been there, done that. He's a Super Bowl champion. They should have won a second one. He's he's proven. He's then became the focal point. And I'm not the way he goes about things isn't necessarily good. But at least you could almost, if you took these two situations, was kind of where it feels like a little bit. At least there's a leg of staying up on that. Like you, you, you're like you're not. You haven't finished a season in right. your career. Yeah, well, the like other, the other you thing, choked in the playoffs, and now I'm making demands. And that's the other thing too, right? Is that you got to look at it, and you know, people are are there's a lot of people that do point the finger at him as being almost the sole reason that they had the struggles that they did in the playoffs, and that he struggled. He wasn't willing to adapt or listen to what people were telling him to make the adjustments. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that rumors that are flying out out there. But the problem is is there's a lot of fingers pointed at you. And what you did was you you did the whole thing of, oh, well, I'm going to point the finger at this and this yeah. and this and this, and then I'm going to tell you you're wrong. And like I said, that's the, to me, it's equivalent of hitting somebody's car and then going, oh, how about how about you give me money to fix my car? That's what happens when you have a midget as your quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> he has that midget syndrome. He's oh, got to be like at the center of the attention. But uh, two things I want to bring up that – uh, I, th- I thought we would probably talk about at least one of them is um, one dumb thing about New York. I don't know if you heard uh, New York is allowing Kyrie Irving to come back to uh, the Barkley Center, even though he practiced there and all that. But he's allowed to sit on the court with no mask, but he can't play in the game. Yeah, and then I also that saw because I just saw something yesterday that said that the New York City mayor said we are not making exceptions for Kyrie. Exception, he but the exception is he can, he be, can be in the now. building, but he can't play. That's how dumb this rule so, is. So, like, he's sitting on the. Okay, but that's he, an exception, is it not? No, no, because they live. He's still the, wearing a mask. Yeah, but they live on the, the court. You wouldn't be wearing a mask. Yeah, you'd be playing without a mask on. But he's allowed to be in the arena because he's wearing a mask. But he's not allowed to play because he's not back. Nothing has ever made sense about this but, whole mask mandate. That's, how, yeah. that's, how that's just like, and I didn't, I didn't really know because I, I, I got, I've said it before. I got just the NBA takes a backburn to me. I know enough because it's all, it's that's one of the big things for ESPN to talk about and all that. But like, I had heard something on the radio a few days ago when it came up about Kyrie and the maybe you know the mandate being lifted, but he'd still be screwed or whatever. I heard that like, but yet. Like road teams have had players unvaccinated still coming into like play the Nets or the Knicks and they're playing or they're in the arena. That's crazy. And when you weren't supposed to be, that's, but but see, not that's him. What, that's where the that's sense. where the the NBA needed to step in and say like, okay, is it right that the that if this if this team's area is saying that you can't do this, this is the problem is they can't do it, but they can. Yeah, where's the competitive? We're talking. We've been half the show has been about competitive balance. What? Where's the competitive balance there? Right. What do they look like with Kyrie this year at home? But he can't because of the municipality. It sucks. It's and crazy. Then, and then the other thing is, I'm I don't know why we didn't talk about it, about 
Troy Aikman signing that deal with ESPN. 90, Sounds 90 like million. Buck. He like Buck might be coming with him. Yeah, I don't know if that's going to happen, or maybe there'd be some situation where Bucks has a joint contract because I can't see Fox letting being very. I mean, if it, if it, I mean, you probably didn't want Aikman to go either, well, but I can't see that wanting Buck to go because he calls baseball too. And I, look, I, I I'm on the fence. I don't hate. Uh, a dislike him as much as a lot of people, but when it comes to baseball, I think he's head and shoulders. I'd rather have him calling baseball games than football games. I, I agree with that 100%. I think Buck's great at baseball. I think he's okay at football. I don't dislike him. But to that point, into the same conversation, there was also rumors that I heard that Sean McVay was approached. Yeah, about, that was like even before the Super Bowl ended. It was like right. as soon as the Super Bowl ended, it was like about a hundred million dollar <laughs> contract to get into broadcasting. Which is, I mean, ridiculous I money. <laughs> ridiculous money for somebody who's never done it before. Uh, I don't know, man. That's that's a lot of money to, to turn down. But at the end of the day, just want a Super Bowl. At least I mean, like, Brent, high. it's it, I I I uh, Aikman annoys me, but what uh, ESPN has been trotting out there the last few years, automatically, yes, sell. I'd yeah. rather have him. I oh. mean, I like watching the mating cast, but that's cool. But then you're also it's kind of muted like you're really not it, sometimes you don't feel like you're in the game now some games it's kind of worth not being in the game and you'd rather watch the Manning's chit chat with yeah. Snoop Dogg and whoever the hell else but uh, uh as long as it, it means ESPN is trying to improve that product because sometimes it's just not worth watching it's, it's rough so I apparently missed this uh yesterday or this yeah. morning uh Kane Velasquez was arrested on suspicion of attempted murder that, I don't even know who that is. So that Kane was Velasquez, Velasquez, UFC fighter. That was oh, the okay. that was the joke. The guy I th- that beat Brock Lesnar. Yeah, yeah. That was the joke I threw in there because if you need a lawyer, if Kane Velasquez <laughs> needs one right yeah. now. Yeah. I've seen a little bit, and uh, you know how this things like this come out. Like uh, you'll get information, and then you'll get information. And it keeps rolling out. So uh, earlier, first thing like this morning, it was like uh, in San Jose, California. He was arrested, uh, hell without bail, involved in a shooting. Now, sometimes he might have been around a group of people. You would think maybe it's not him yeah. necessarily, or it, it could be there just talking to him. Well, now and then it came out that like he's the shooter. And then the last story I had read right before I came was like he sh- he uh, he went after these two guys, a father and son. And maybe I don't know if the story's changed. He went after these two guys, a father and son, because maybe the son touched his son wrong his uh, Kane's song wrong I don't know if that means physically striking him or sexually type thing thing. that's what I'm saying I'm like you'll probably you'll get the the story all together but like he's I got attempted murder charge on him he's held without bail yeah the the only thing serious the only thing is here is saying that uh he's got a court date for Wednesday uh he was dressed in Monday there was a shooting Announced Monday evening there was a shooting in the city, uh, and police said one adult male was shot and one transported to the hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. Uh, the motives and circumstances surrounding the incident are still under investigation at this time, and we will not be discussing the the investigation. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll so, have more details on and, it for yeah. next week. And, and then <clears throat> I wonder if any of you guys can guess who tweeted this. It's about um, on the altercation with fans during last night's game. It says there needs to be a soundproof wall or something. I would I would even consider having no fans in the arena. Anything that will help us players avoid these verbal altercations. Uh, I just LeBron can't say it's just LeBron. Fucking LeBron. What a fucking baby. This guy can run his when fucking look- mouth about uh guys that, you know, you know, stood up for himself of uh, uh, 
protect himself and put his two cents in and wants to be a voice and platform, but can't take a fucking a voice from a crowd. Heckler, he's never done well with that. No. So that's just but, always been but, him. He would never last in the in the Jordan <laughs> era. Jordan, but oh, just yeah. in general, yeah, forget uh, even errors. Like, what are you? Do? You want me? <laughs> what, what is you yeah. want me? King you're just you're like King Baby. Well, King like, Baby, <laughs> and when you're you're you're, oh your Lakers see, are five dude. six games under five hundred and getting get, the, one of the biggest blowouts, and uh, Genie Bus is walking away during the game. He got beat you, by the Pelicans. You like, get something on, like that. Big but, fucking crybaby, dude. You get something like that, but then you turn around, you have, uh, was it, LaMelo Ball. The video of him that was going around where the fan is like, you know, telling him you, you suck or something like that. And he's just he just keeps looking at him and go, you lie. Yeah. You lie. No, I or saw that. Trey like, Young. Trey Young. Listen, LeBron with the, no, with the Hawks. Was, Le- no, but I'm oh, saying Trey Young did that thing. Oh, very he, similar. He was. He just. He fucking buried the Knicks in the he playoffs, no and he fans. reveled in it. He didn't get upset. He didn't really even do anything Le- like unjust. Yeah. He just. Hey, I, I love it. Yeah. Le- LeBron. LeBron. LeBron is just trying to distract from how terrible of a season that the they Lakers had as the Lakers, and they brought in all this old talent. He. And Again, they would have been out. great five years I ago. Loved, yeah, I love, ago. I love when someone someone posted it the other day because he, he does was, it to himself. Someone dude. retweeted the other day, like, "Oh yeah, I remember when you, oh yeah, here's the LeBron retweeted LeBron. It was like uh, from August. Yeah, keep that same energy about all these old guys and blah 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 blah. And the person was like, "Yeah, twenty-seven and thirty-three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. But yeah, all he does is complain. But you know, he does it to himself. But he's like, "Oh, anybody who drafts my son, I'll be coming. Yeah, with that him. shit. Like, Shut the f- no one's drafting your kid probably (laughs) yeah all right guys well great show this week uh again appreciate you filling in over here for fred taking a break needing to hey man just we talked about around we talked about i am fred i went on that 12 day (laughs) oh yeah i forgot about that uh then drew's put on a lot of weight that or Don't say that about James. Or Ryan. This Ryan. We're about to say it. Anyway, uh, make sure you guys check us out. We'll see you guys next week. See, see it.